This episode of 1v1, the creator interview series, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support this show and the Boss Rush Media family of podcasts, head over to patreon.com slash bossrushmedia or search for us on the Patreon app on your smart device. Thanks for helping us build something better. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 1v1 with Boss Rush Media. I'm your host, Celeste Roberts. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Caleb J. Ross and Travis Terry, host of the podcast Tales of the Lesser Medium. And this is verbatim from their website. I'm not making this up. I'm not that smart. It's a storytelling podcast where the stories are already written, but rarely told. It's comedy at heart and all for fun. And we were actually having a lot of fun before we hit record. I think we could have gone on even longer, but I was like, no, no, I, I signed a contract. I have only a little bit of time with you two. I, I can't, I can't pay anymore. We do enforce contracts with everyone we talk to, even not recorded. It's really weird that we have that rule, but we do. We have tons of lawyers because of our content, so we, we know our way around uh, rules and contracts. But no, we, we appreciate you having us. This, uh, this is a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. I Thank you so much for making time. I know that with podcasting and time zones and life and all that other fun stuff, it can be difficult to round people up. I actually reached out to you two a few weeks ago and I said, hey, I would love to interview you and I would love to talk about things. And Travis said, I just want to be interviewed by myself. I did. I'm more yeah, interesting by sense. myself. And then Caleb said, yeah, but they eventually agreed to be interviewed together. Yeah, it's like, do you really book. want Caleb? Are you trying to be nice? Because <laughs> he's not, he doesn't have access to this account, so he can't read this conversation. Like, if you just want to talk to me, you know, we can arrange that. Okay, but now was... my audio's going, guys. Okay, you guys can start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, hey, okay. Caleb. We hey. were just not talking about you, man. How you doing? I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. Glad to have you. Hey, we're glad you're uh, here. Yeah, I, I think, I, I assume so. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found out about you two because of our good friend, Burger Champ, who I hope is listening to this episode. I, I really appreciate that. He turned me on to your podcast. He shared the Resident Evil episodes with me. I'm a huge Resident Evil fan. <laughs> My first one was Resident Evil 2 on the Nintendo 64. And oh, wow. I, I enjoy listening to people share deeper, more serious topics occasionally. But you two take storytelling to a completely different level. And I fully appreciate it. I, I never thought I'd hear Barry Burton talking about a toilet <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and that's all he talks about. And then yeah, it's, Earthbound. Uh, Earthbound too. That that's the other um game I really love. Yeah, the those uh the, the choices have been interesting. We don't wanna we we talked about it early on that like maybe just horror games were kind of ripe for what we do since their stories are usually kind of linear and typically the lore around them is very fuzzy while you play it. But in the end, it's, you know, if you dig into it, it can be interesting. And that was true for Resident Evil. Um, but at some point we decided, you know, we can maybe apply this formula to some other stuff too. And Earthbound was kind of, um, I think, a bit of a challenge for us since it's an RPG and not really a linear told story it's a longer game it kind of already makes fun of itself so what can we do so um yeah i'm glad that you ended up liking both of those because i think those are on opposite ends of the spectrum of of what we have covered it's 
Because <laughs> when you're, I don't know if, if you're, when you're playing a game, do you guys take it seriously and really try to immerse yourselves? Or are you looking for things to make fun of? Or do you revisit a game and then you're like, okay, now I can laugh at it. I, I'm pulling myself out of it. I think so far it's been every game that we've done has been a game that we played earlier in life. So we're kind of looking back and thinking, what were some of the weird games from our from our youth or from growing up, at least? Um, and that's where it's been primarily, maybe exclusively so far, right? It's been, um, you know, your Resident Evil, your uh, Tomb Raider series was one of my favorite series. We did Uncharted. Um, we did Gears of War, Earthbound. Um, yeah, and all these all these kind of things where we just kind of, because I don't know if I don't know if Travis, if if you um, well, I'm saying this delicately, but you absolutely did not say exactly what the podcast was about. Uh, but um, <laughs> it basically, kind of, basically, uh, yeah, we we kind of just tell the stories of of these video games, the narratives of these video games, not the development stories or histories or that kind of stuff. The actual in screen gameplay type stories. We just kind of tell you what's happening in the game as the game intends to present it, but then we just poke holes in it throughout the entire telling of it. And, and we comment on how absurd everything is. Um, you know, it's, it's stuff that I think a lot of probably uh, like video kind of YouTubers do in like review form a lot where you, they play a game and they make fun of it and it's really great. This is sort of taking that idea into a long form kind of narrative and just making it a little bit more uh, uh, complete. If, if we can say it that way, I think. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good way to sum it up. And I guess to answer the the original question, not a lot of in situ gaming and scripting with the podcast. Usually, you know, and I think the only time I've played a game really close to the time that we've talked about it was Uncharted. I played through essentially the last three of those during the time that we were putting together the scripts, but it's usually play the game through its entirety and just enjoy it and experience it as a game and then go back and uh, dig up, you know, a lot of the dialogue and skim through a, uh, a playthrough and put the the narrative for the podcast together that way and I, I do already have the context of having played the game and that helps but um i don't think i could do both at the same time because i think i would like i enjoy playing uncharted in a certain way and then make making fun of it in a completely different way it's almost two brains playing mm -hmm. and, and writing the script that makes a lot of sense um i've i've been part of a podcast um uh talk the walk which i think it was caleb or travis yeah. listened to it yeah i definitely listened to that yeah oh thank you <laughs> yeah, I, i'm taking a little hiatus from it i just i just don't have time i'm also part of another zelda podcast and and i do these 1v1 interviews and uh unfortunately i have to work and do all these other things Ooh. to sustain mm. life you know mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um but I, I noticed if it was a game that i was playing for that specific month to talk about in a book club format you're playing it very differently it's you're really trying to pay attention. It doesn't feel as organic and as natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that we've, uh, other than just having some distance between us and the game, um, one of the things that's ended up working out pretty well for us in terms of the process, which I don't think was intentional at first, but generally speaking, um, the person who there's, there's one person who kind of writes out the narrative itself, the script of the narrative itself. Um, the vast majority of those, I believe have been you, Travis, I, not, I believe they definitely have been you, Travis. And so whenever I, whenever he's done with kind of a script, he's like, okay, have at it, Caleb, add you, add jokes to it. If you want, add whatever you kind of want, insert little, little areas where like you might have something you want to talk about or where we might want to improv a skit or something like that. And I consciously don't watch any, uh, play the game or, or watch any, uh, footage of the game or anything when I'm going through that process, because I kind of. 
want to be able to make fun of what's specifically on paper and what specifically the reader is going to hear and or listener is going to hear. And sometimes that results in me kind of making fun of maybe the way it's written rather than the narrative itself, <laughs> uh, which which you wouldn't really get if I was also watching the footage and and making jokes just off of the footage. So I kind of approach it almost from a listener standpoint, in addition to me being the person who has to read it out loud and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point too, because the script has to stand on its own. So you, you definitely want to critique that in isolation before taking in the other context of the game. So that's a good point. Yeah. Have you ever, I don't think so, but have you ever covered a game where only one of you has played it and the other one goes in, looks at the script that you wrote and just tries to guess what the heck is going on? In the oh, game? yeah. Yeah, I like for some of the series that we've done, like for Half-Life, I've only played Half-Life 2, but we covered all four games mm -hmm. and Caleb wrote that script. So I leaned on his script to understand almost all of it and then watch snippets of the video just to kind of understand how characters talk to each other for when we mm. did skits or made fun of characters and that kind of thing. And that's still a game I want to play. Like we've completely already spoiled it. And we I think we kind of determined that the story was kind of like not great, but I still <laughs> want to go back and play it mainly because of the episode that we did. So yeah, I think that happens quite a bit. I love that we are always able to lean on the fact, you know, we could say a, a story is not great in a game, even if the vast majority of gamers think maybe a story is great. We can lean on it and say it's not great because we are specifically butchering it on purpose. Like, so <laughs> yeah, it's kind of almost true. hard for us to think fondly of these things after we just shred them. That's true. Uh, but also we're like intently studying the story in ways that they probably didn't. Yeah. <laughs> And so if you actually sit down and think about some of the motivations for your character, maybe it's not, maybe in video game terms, you know, the smoke and mirrors make it an okay thing. But if we really sit down and think about it, we're like, yeah, I don't know why you did that. Actually, it would have been a lot easier to do this other thing completely. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like when you're too close to something, too close to a project, you need to step, step away or have someone yeah. who, you know, second pair of eyes, like that term paper you've been working on mm -hmm. for oh, five yeah. months. And I think the Earthbound one, look, the Resident Evil ones were hilarious, but <laughs> I think Earthbound was probably my favorite one because it, like the things you were pointing out, like, oh, look, my sister has a broken baseball bat in a gift, <laughs> gift box in her bedroom. And yeah, when you're- That's a good example of that. Like, why, <laughs> wait a minute. I never why thought about this when I was playing this, but why does she have this? Who is yeah. she going to give that to? And if you think about it, I mean, obviously these games are game development by its nature is gameplay first. And generally speaking, even with RPGs, I would argue story is largely secondary. And so if you think about it from like a gameplay perspective, a mechanics perspective, it makes sense that the first weapon you get has to be bad. So she has a broken baseball bat. Now, like why? <laughs> like, and she's hiding under her bed because she's hiding a present from her for her, her brother. I get that. So she's going to give him a ba broken baseball bat. That seems kind of like a lame <laughs> gift, but gameplay wise, it kind of has to be that. You don't want to give him a pristine bat uh, at the beginning of the game. So That's true. You just kind of have to deal with it. <laughs> and he's digging in garbage cans, getting hamburgers. And I don't know about you, but my parents specifically said, do not look in the garbage can for food. Rule yeah. number one, I think. They had to tell me that too. It wasn't just the thing they were going to tell me. They like, seriously, you got to cut that out. <laughs> So what inspired the idea for the podcast, the name for the podcast? Because you both are very busy and we're going to get into that. You, This is not your only project in addition to life. <laughs> it's true. I guess I'll take that one. So uh, I I had the the original idea for this, which is what it end up, ended up being, 
which is kind of crazy because most of my ideas get derailed or die in infancy, but this one was one that actually worked out. And it was inspired by another podcast that I listened to, which is, it's called uh, Last Podcast on the Left. And it deals with more, I guess, macabre topics, but they put a comedy spin on it to make it palatable. So I like that podcast a lot. I listened to it for a number of years. And I just like the way that stories were told in that way. I felt like it kept my attention, even through, you know, boring details of, you know, like the, the, the Dahmer party thing. Like I listened to that podcast about that. That's a pretty exciting story at the end, uh, <laughs> the, the write up pretty dry. And so listen to that podcast. I got so many details about that, that I wouldn't have gleaned otherwise because I have a terrible attention span and I have to kind of be engaged through comedy to pay attention to anything. And I was like, that is such a great formula. And I think that I miss out on a ton when I'm playing a game is the story. I wish there was a podcast that could clear up some of these stories, make the narratives a little bit more crisp. And the only way I would ever pay attention to that is if someone dunked on it the whole time. I was like, well, I guess if you want something, you got to kind of do it yourself. <laughs> and so uh, I, I reached out to um, another friend of mine uh, a little bit before I even knew Caleb to do that podcast. And that was where the name kicked off. We came up with... You know, I think we were like something we like the term lesser medium because that that in itself is kind of a dunk on video games. Um, so that kind of paints the picture of, you know, where we're coming from and then just adding the tales to it because it's like, hey, we're kind of reading a story. And then when that person wasn't able to do it, I was like, I know a guy that would be perfect for this. He's he's well read, well written. He's a funny dude. Um, and that guy wouldn't do it. So I had to get Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I knew where you were walking, Travis, and I was like, you know, I'll, I'll let him have it. This is he had me in the whole time. I was like, who was it? Who was it? <laughs> wow. So, what is the most rewarding aspect of this podcast? Is it is it different from anything else you've done before? Or, but Travis, you're involved in comedy, so this might come kind of naturally to you. Um, I think this podcast is rewarding from a comedy perspective more than other ones that I do not, not to slight any other ones that I do or other co-hosts, but this one is like, this one goes through a factory of creative, I don't know, like comedy inspirations where it's not only is it intending to 100% lean on comedy, it kind of lives and dies by that. Mm -hmm. And so I think the rewarding thing is, is that one, it's been successful and that people do seem to like it. And, you know, being on this podcast is one of those rewarding things where someone listened to it enough to want to ask us questions about it. And I think, I think that's a big thing because in addition to it, sort of, um, you know, it has mine and Caleb's comedic egos at stake. It uh, <laughs> is a lot more work than other podcasts too, because where we do sort of improv and riff on things on occasion, uh, scripting those things and making sure that you clear out enough well actually people from calling you out on getting something wrong and making sure that okay we left out things that were not important and left in things that made sense in the end and still found a way to make it fun i think like in the end just being able to publish something that i can look back on and be like ah oh, that actually turned out pretty good i think that that's pretty awesome and that it's very different from anything else that i do in that way yeah and i think uh 
in addition to that, one of the really th- one of the things that I love about it, not only has has this allowed me to sort of get to know Travis uh, quite a bit better, and 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 he's been just an amazing person to get to know and, and a great friend. Um, but I think that I don't really have a lot of things that I do uh, as as a co person to like that. Like a lot of my creative efforts are very much solitary, um, and this is kind of the one the one that I have that I, allows me to sort of interact with people. And I feel like what Travis and I have done, um, unspoken, unconsciously or subconsciously, I guess, not unconsciously, we actually are awake <laughs> when we do this, but subconsciously, maybe what we've done is, I feel like both of us would say that like in an alternate universe, we would be right at home, like in a, in a comedy sitcom writer's room, like staying up till midnight, just writing things out. And this is a way for us to almost create our own writing room and do that exact thing, you know? I mean, we have someone drafts this script, other people are saying, are, are sweetening it up a bit, be like, oh, you should do this or do this or add this here. Here's a cool place for a joke. And it goes back and forth in the document. And there's this sense of um, aliveness to it that I just don't have with any of my other creative outlets. So I've been really, really, I, I always look forward to the recording sessions for sure because of that. I agree with that. I think sometimes our... Uh our scripts. I mean, I, I think I'm very proud of everything that we've published um, in podcast form, but the scripts, I can go back and look at sections of those and read it how I had it in my head and whether or not it, I landed it when we actually recorded the podcast. I'm like, dang, the script's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> so glad we wrote it like that. Like I almost want to publish them all in the end, but Caleb's like, dude, we've already said it out loud. No one's going to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Like, but what if we change like a couple words? <laughs> I, yeah, I, we, we had very brief conversations about that and they were brief because of my putting the <laughs> axe on it. Cause I thought like, you know, reading is the thing that people don't want to do. That's why people it's make true. audio forms and that's why people make video forms so that they can truncate the reading. And I'm speaking as someone who loves books and loves reading, but it is the most uh, work for any career, for any piece of enjoyment really. And I was like, it doesn't make sense. It's already, it's already out there in the, in the form it should be, you know, but there's so many pages. (laughs) That's true. They're just living on. uh, So Caleb can only read 18 size font. So keep that in mind. (laughs) And so we're looking at like maybe between 30 and 40 pages of size 18 font. Uh, Maybe it's 16 font. I don't know. It, It gets bigger every episode. My guy's getting old, but I just, it's, it's, uh, I got the, one of my favorite jokes that Travis has ever said. I was going to try to pawn it <laughs> off as my own, but Travis called me out on that once and he goes, yeah, you got to make the words bigger or got to make the words bigger so they fit, fit in there better or something. You said something and it was great. Anyway, it was funny. <laughs> it was, it was, it was good. I, now I, I have to dunk it this on. time, but it was funny the first time he said it. Uh, they're easier to read when they're bigger. It's true. It is yeah. true. And and one of the two of us is the one that reads these things. So uh, it is true. It is so. true. Yeah. Caleb, Caleb, you know, hats off to Caleb in that narration because it's it's harder than you think. I am. Now that we've done these podcasts, I'm very often in awe of people who read audiobooks because I'm always like, how, how long did he go without making a mistake? Because because Caleb's pretty good at it. But there are times where like, you know, one paragraph's just got the worst words in it and he's trying to hit it. And eventually he's just. <sighs> All right, I'm just going to start the whole. I'm going to I'm going to go back four paragraphs and start over, man. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm like, dude, because I feel bad because Travis does all the editing. And so I feel bad. I I don't know if you remember this, Travis, but some of our very first scripts. If you looked at my redlining of the scripts, 
it was like dense with just all these edits and the and the and for the most part it was an equal balance between me just being a snob about language but then me also being knowing the difference between reading words out loud and reading them on paper like they just have to be they have to be phrased differently in order for you to be able to articulate yeah. them audibly and so i was as i was editing i was reading that loud to myself to see where i would trip up as i was reading and so about half were probably you know those kind of edits half were just grammatical snobbery edits um and then very quickly not probably not quickly enough honestly i i just gave up on the grammar stuff because the grammar was fine i was just being a jerk about it and it was just i was just changing words for readability a little bit like that and and i don't know if you ever were uh, uh were edging toward the, the the cliff there travis when it came to uh me seeing all those red lines uh, but my apologies if you were like, God damn it, Caleb. <laughs> no, I was always like, man, that guy sure knows how to read. Oh, man. <laughs> Good thing I don't have to deal with any of that. Oh, what was it? Little Brown Handbook from school? The oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no. I, I was thinking of Strunk and White, which is another color. I have um, that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that I always go back to. <laughs> I, I was an English major, so I had both. <laughs> yeah, I have an English degree. So, yeah, I was definitely... That that was my life. <laughs> so we, we both we both hate ourselves. I'm just kidding. That's yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's true. I, I my profession now is has nothing to do. Well, I mean, ter- uh, tangentially, it has something to do with English. I would say, but not really. So really? you would, you would despise my scripts too, then Celeste, if you saw them. I'm I, I, I write with a country dialect, and then I force Caleb <laughs> to read it, and it's it's pretty entertaining. I enjoy it. That's actually why I started. I was like, I gotta get Caleb to read my my countryfied. <laughs> my country fried words i think it's your fault travis that all of my voices that we do all of my voices default to just some country twang (laughs) mine too that's that's what i know i wake up with it though i can't help it is it okay so you like remove the g and put an apostrophe like i'm fixing not fixing i'm fixing to do this oh yeah yeah he adds all the g's back in too it's infuriating (laughs) i just do a control fine for i n and add (laughs) in It works 90% of the time. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's true. It is true. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, no. I, I I come from a place of wanting to help people. <laughs> I promise. I promise. But so that, okay. So I've been in plays before. And so when you're talking about scripts, is there some kind of rehearsal involved? Like, let, let's say for your next episode, how far in advance are you planning it? Or is this all some secret juice you don't want to reveal? No, I don't think it's secret juice. I think actually we've had to tell people how long out we are from writing one because they're like, did you guys quit the podcast? We haven't seen one in six months. It's like, well, it takes a long time to put them together, guys. Uh, and and that's true. So like um, sometimes we have a couple going at one time. So I won't, t- I won't say what the next series is. I'll, I'll at least keep that under our hat. Um, but, you know, I, I started writing that script last June. So, um, wow. It, it, and that, you know, some of that's just like off and on, like if we were really gung ho, we could probably knock them out like a month. It takes probably a month to do it just in that, not just by itself. Right. Cause you, like you said, we have other things going on in life, but, um, this is one of my, you know, favorite projects and I hate to leave it dormant for as long as we have to sometimes. So I will like prioritize it, but it does take a long time to, to get through it. And then we go through the back and forth of, you know, trying to make it funny, punching it up and, and all of that. Um, and typically we release things, which we might be getting away from because it has taken so long, but typically we release things in series where a game has, you know, and, and a lot of that's because 
more narrative driven games typically have sequels or are trilogies or quadrologies or whatever. And so those are the ones we tend to gravitate toward because they'll have natural cliffhangers and you'll be able to kind of build from one episode to the next and lead your listeners from one to the next. Um, but that takes a really long time to, to go through that and say, okay, now we're done writing four scripts. Now we can release these like a week apart, like, like we do for a lot of them. Um, or like with Earthbound, we decided one day, like, you know, it'd be great if we just released an episode. So mm-hmm. let's just do Earthbound. And it took like a month to, to get that one going. So we might lean on doing one-offs a little more and that will speed mm-hmm. us up and then keep some of the longer ones in the background. Yeah. And in terms of rehearsals and things like that, that doesn't, that doesn't really happen. The only rehearsal is really us just reading it to ourselves as we're punching it up and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the reading it live, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is a generous percentage or not. Keep me honest, Travis, but I would say maybe like 15%, maybe 10% or so of what you hear is, is not scripted at all. Um, and then probably the remaining 90% is, well, I would then I would say probably like maybe the remaining like maybe fifty percent of of that is like verbatim, and then there's like a portion where we're taking what is there, but just kind of ad libbing as we go. So it's it's kind of just making it live like that, and having and having the freedom to be able to just riff on something if we need to um, is really really beneficial. And I think helps out. It has its negatives. Uh, often, what will happen, um, and I'm sure Travis hates this, is I will start to riff on something. And then realized that Travis had already written the joke that I was going to make. And then so then I had to stop it like, dang it, Travis, you already you already had the joke there. Crap, because <laughs> I think I'm coming up with something brilliant. I'm like, nah, Travis already said that. <laughs> well, and a lot of that's because we, we think the same way. I'm like, oh, and then he's want to go, go here with it. Let me go ahead and write that out. And then it was just worded differently. So there's like a weird handoff. But yeah, there's the only I think if you want to call it a rehearsal that we that we do is right before we're getting ready to record because we don't talk face to face until it's recording day. Um, and then, you know, we, we log on and we give our, you know, how's the weather going over there in Kansas city? Great. That's awesome, man. Over here. It's the same as you. Okay, great. Uh, what voice were you thinking about for this guy? Uh, oh, and then I'll do it and he'd be like, oh, nice. What do you think about my voice for this guy? Sounds like the same one you do for all your guys. That sounds perfect. (laughs) Keep that up. And then we hit record. So it's not broken. Don't fix it. All my voices devolve into the exact same voice every time, every time. Uh, but it's it's good. It's good. I like it. So I, and I think our system works pretty well, too, because we're not given our we're not, the you know, it, it, it's turned out well and we've not put like more effort into it than I think was necessary. It kind of feels like we put a lot of front, you know, effort into the script and all that stuff. And then we just show up and do it. Mm-hmm. And there's never been a time where I'm like, oh, I don't know, I think we should do it over, man. I think one time we had to because the audio was bad. Um, one of our microphones messed up. But like most of the time, it's like, dang, I'm so like, that felt great. It almost feels like a live show because of we're riffing and pulling off the jokes, going off scripts occasionally. Like it's it's really fun to do. If Hey, if you're doing it because you love it, that's probably a reward in, a, in and of itself, right? I mean, but there are so many things we have to do in life that projects like this, if you're not enjoying it, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Caleb, you are enjoying it, right? You, yeah. Right. What, what am I supposed to say? Uh, say, say yes. Yeah, please. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, thank God. Oh. oh, this is where we find out how they really feel. It's like, an. <laughs> what was that? Oh my gosh. I can't even think of those uh, daytime talk show uh, host. I can't even think of their names. What like Sally. Oh, Sally, Jesse. 
that yeah. one of those? Like oh. the old, old yeah, like where yeah. where you you walk into the stage and you're like, Travis, I really have to tell oh, you something. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been despising this project since we started it, but I yeah. felt really bad for you. And I, <laughs> I know, man, my, my biggest always... fear was being invited to somewhere and then walking out into a room and just Donahue waiting on me like, oh, no, <laughs> what is, what is, is happening? <laughs> I kind of feel like, though, uh, I, I've often thought about this, if that happened to me. And I think there's no better way to determine who the people are that you no longer want to be around. If someone invited me on that show to tell me they hate me. I now know that that's the person I should not be around. Good. <laughs> like, trash took itself out. For me. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> trash is gone. Yeah. It did the job. <laughs> I love the approach to the, the podcast format and the storytelling format because now that you've kind of helped me realize, okay, you don't have to take games quite as seriously. Yes, you can immerse yourself. Now as I play games, I'm trying to think of the illogical aspects of them. Okay, so I'm a big Zelda fan. And just imagine, I don't know, this this guy in a green outfit walks into your shop, opens this treasure chest, and suddenly there's this jar or item floating above his head and this jingle plays and the item is spinning. It, I mean, just try to picture that actually happening. Right. That's bizarre. That's then he smashes a pot and walks out. Yeah. <laughs> says anything yeah. in the yeah. game i want to see the camera stay in that room while people have to sweep up all those shards <laughs> i think he stole our bomb that we keep in that pot gosh dang it i really hope you're covering the zelda series at some point that's one of your favorites travis isn't it it is yeah we that's what we've kind of talked about but and i think maybe before earthbound we were like maybe it's too ridiculous like we would spend so much time being pedantic about things yeah. like that we would never get to the narrative <laughs> we would just spend our time being like what's he what's up with these chickens yeah. but what would happen also, if too, like i don't even know raises... how they link it together <laughs> yeah it's true if he, yeah, what happens if he raises this? Or um, I don't know. I guess it would depend on the Zelda game. They're all they're all a little bizarre. When mm -hmm. You think about it, especially some of the characters. What what is your favorite Zelda game? I I'm very partial to the original since that's the one I cut my teeth on as a small lad. So the OG is is all me. And there's really not one I don't like. I'm not like a, one of those snobby Zelda fans. Um, although. I didn't like spirit tracks. I'm, I'm happy to announce that to anyone who cares to hear. So you are one of those snobby Zelda just, fans. But just for that one game, I make one exception. I don't think, <laughs> why, why are trains involved? So we don't need trains. Because <laughs> it's called spirit tracks. They're contractually I, obligated I, for that title. I mean, I get why. Like, well, we got to fit tracks in here somehow. Should we do, should we do like track marks? Like, like on, on skin? Like, no, nah, I think, I don't think that's Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, that's not. <laughs> That's not going to fly. Yeah, having uh, to blow on my video game system with my like little uh, bits of saliva getting onto the mm -hmm. screen. Who doesn't uh, love that? Least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I'd tip over half of my carts and it would just be goo just like coming out of the uh, Oh, from, <laughs> spit. Like, yeah. from trying to blow them to get them to work, huh? Yeah, you might have yep. been doing it a little. You might have go, been going too hard. You think? Yeah. Or yours uh -huh. just didn't work like Well, my mom bad. would wipe my face with spit, and I just equated spit <laughs> with cleaning, and so that's... And love, of, right? Right, love. and love, and I love my video games. So. Wow. But not your, not your yeah. mom. Not your mom. No, God, no, she's awful. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, make sure to show her this part of the episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she's, uh, I get my, my sense of humor comes entirely from my mom, so exactly how I'm acting now is how my mom acts, for better and worse, mostly worse. Oh, she should God. do a podcast, man. She'd, she'd be she'd great. Get her, she'd be great. Yeah? yeah. We should get her on. Uh, does she have a video game she likes? 
<laughs> no, probably not. No, I don't think so. I mean, even she if it were Pac Man, we could pull her in. stuff a lot. She's she's one of those. Okay, I was gonna say even yeah. if it were Pac Man, we should, we could pull her in, and just make up a Pac Man story and riff on it with her for about ten minutes and just <laughs> bonus episode with Caleb's mom. I'm down. She pretend to remember that game. Yeah, yeah, that that Pac Man game. I remember that. Oh, that would be <laughs> hilarious if you had her or a guest who had never played the game that you're discussing and you're telling them the story. <laughs> oh, like it's a real game. story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> gather around. The sound effect of fire crackling in the background. Yes. And you sit around this campfire. That, and that's the, kind of the vibe we want for the, I mean, I think the logo kind of has that vibe to it too, where it's like, we're just mm-hmm. sitting around reading you stories. Uh, and early on, we used to put like some moody music behind the narrative, but boy, is that an editing hassle. So we <laughs> we stopped doing that and no one seemed to miss it out loud. No, no. So we kept not adding it. But uh, that really set the mood. Yeah. I th- well, what if we were to abbreviate our episodes to like 10 minutes and nobody complained? That <laughs> we released 50 episodes this year. Now they were all 10 minutes, but we only released Sorry. five last year. Yeah. We just read the Wikipedia. Yeah. Nobody seemed to care. It was, uh, it was, a, little, it was a little disheartening, actually. Yeah. Do you, do you remember AngryAlien.com with the little 30-second bunny movies? Does that no. ring a bell? It doesn't. No. I mean, I remember the heyday of like E-Bombs World and stuff where like little bunny movies were a thing, but I don't remember that website in particular. It, when you were talking about 10-minute long episodes, it reminded – it was I guess it was kind of like an E-Bombs World. It's AngryAlien.com, if it even still exists, and they would take movies like The Exorcist and do it in 30 seconds in little animated bunnies <laughs> where the characters – that okay. sounds pretty glorious. But, so the website's so, still up, and all of those things still seem active, so that's a fun discovery. Thank you. I <laughs> hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is, okay, so I might be dating myself a little bit, but that's what I watched in, like, early high school. Mm-hmm. Seems awesome. I'm the actually really that, surprised that it's still up. The fact that we haven't heard it probably dates us more than it does you, I'm sure. <laughs> 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 but I, I love the idea of people taking serious things like that because i'm not a big horror movie person i get scared very easily but i love games like resident evil and eternal Mm. darkness i think i love the storytelling of them and the lore so whenever someone can take a comedic spin on it it's kind of like someone's holding my hand and saying it's okay celeste (laughs) there aren't any monsters under your bed there's no t-virus barry burton's not going to come looking for a toilet in your house (laughs) (laughs) i mean have we ever thought about why barry's everywhere what's he even doing in there right (laughs) <laughs> He's got to be looking for an extra can, and we've all played the game. The mansion has no plumbing. There's not even a kitchen in that thing. No. There is only sure. one bathroom that I can think of. Yeah. The whole place. Yeah. But And I wouldn't use it, personally. No. Mm-hmm. no, no, no. Jill threw up in it. That's right. Mm. I don't think she flushed it. Jill. <laughs> but... <laughs> Jill, come on. I don't know. Have some of respect, Jill. <laughs> this isn't now even th- your house, Jill. <laughs> But okay, now you're making me think like, okay, the doors are just miraculously open to this mansion. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Porch light was on. Makes you <laughs> think that it was all uh, uh, on purpose. Like they wanted people to <laughs> straggle into the mansion. You know, they're practically inviting them. There must be some sort of experiments going on. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's going on in the basement? Could there be sharks? We don't know. <laughs> no, we do know. We figured that out. It's yeah, there were definitely there were yeah, a couple. Definitely at least two. There. Yeah. Now, this next part might involve a little bit of rock, paper, scissors, but in addition to doing Tales of a Lesser Medium, you both 
are involved in other creative endeavors and projects. So who wants to go first? Who's who's going to win this round? Caleb goes first. Damn it. I don't think that's how rock, paper, scissors works. But then again, I don't know the rules. So I'll go ahead and go. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, uh, I had, I've, I've, I go in cycles with my creative outlets. Um, and so I'll do things for a few years, then jump onto something else for a few years and jump onto something else for a few years. And those three things that I kind of rotate around are generally like writing, um, English degree, of course. So writing, um, I've written several novels. I'm actually in the middle of writing a, um, a nonfiction book about my favorite video game of all time, What Remains of Edith Finch. So <gasps> I'm in the middle of writing that. Love that um, one. Love it. It's, it's such a good game. And uh, dare I say, such a good book. Uh, so it will be uh, hopefully ready for consumption at some sometime soon. Um, but it's writing and then uh, game development. I'm, I'm big into game development, um, indie game development. Obviously, I'm not part of a team or anything like that, but I love that. It's so much fun for me. And then also um, just uh, uh, YouTubing, which is what something that I had done for quite a while, specifically about uh, I loved making videos about uh, video games, obviously, but um, somewhat comedy but then also somewhat like from a psychology standpoint i love the psychology of video games and that sort of thing and so i did that for a long time and and as those cycles kind of go on um you know I, I keep coming back around to to the other thing so right now i'm in a writing phase uh but i'm sure as soon as i get out of that i'll go back into youtube or something else so that's kind of what i do yeah you're not bored i am I not bored so. at all no no <laughs> i i'm one of those people i've i've talked with other creative people um uh, about this. And, and I feel like it's pretty common, but I do have this weird drive where if I'm not making something, I feel like I'm wasting time. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know it logically, that doesn't make sense, right? Like, why should I have, why can't I just relax? But I also have a very difficult time taking in media without thinking immediately, like, how would I do that? How could I do that? Mm -hmm. How could I change that? So I have actively refused to like watch much TV and many movies because I know my brain and I'll immediately like, I should make a film. I should make, <laughs> and then I would just go on this long thing, trying to learn how to do that, doing all this kind of stuff. And I just don't have time for it. So I actively keep away from stuff that I'm also not creating. So in addition to like, you know, developing games, I play games. In addition to writing, I read in addition to, um, into, to like making YouTube. That's mostly the media that I intake. And, um, it's, it satisfies me. It, it works. So what are some of the names of your books and what are some of the things you've covered on YouTube? Yeah. So, um, my books, uh, probably, so the very first novel I wrote is called Stranger Will. I wrote that, uh, pretty soon after college, a uh, pretty dark kind of novel about a guy kind of coming to terms with the prospect of being a father, but it's, he, he's a, he's a professional human remains removal specialist. So he basically oh. cleans up when, when bodies go awry, he kind of cleans up the mess. And so obviously there's some sort of nihilistic approaches that he had views that he has on life in terms of like, what does it mean to give birth to something if it's just going to become a mess essentially. And so it was, it was, it was written during a time when in my own life, when I was trying to, when I was dating a, a woman who would become my wife, but she always wanted kids and I never did. So I feel like that was an extension of me kind of wrestling with that idea. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, I won't go through all of them, I promise. But um, then uh, I think the the novel is probably the best, I would say, out of all of them um, is one called I Didn't Mean Didn't Mean to Be Kevin. And it's kind of that approach, but flipped on its side. It's about a kid who sort of doesn't feel like they need a parent. Um, and it's also kind of dark and, and all over the place and really kind of cool. It, it's probably, like I said, my favorite. It's full of like literary references and stuff. So and that kind of ties into the theme of the book, the the character uh, who doesn't feel like they need a parent 
is always trying to validate himself as like, I'm, I'm worth something despite not having parents. Um, in the same way that me as an author is trying to validate myself as being like, I know all these cool books. Look, here's some references to all of these kind of things. Um, and, but then I think the coolest book that, I, that I've written um, is one called as a machine in parts, because it's, 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 it's only available in paperback because it has a lot of like meta textual type of things. If you've read, I compare it sometimes to in style, but not in quality uh, to house of leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski, which is like, oh, okay an incredibly amazing book, uh, much better than my book, but in terms of like meta textual, like kind of themes and stuff like that is, is that, so yeah, those, that's the, that's the thing. And then the, uh, and then the, yeah, the video game stuff is I get, or the YouTube stuff. I, uh, I get really like drawn into, uh, game what uh, from a, from a game developer standpoint, I got really drawn into like usability, um, which is like basically how well does a game teach you about itself. Um, and so I, I, I got really deep into that making videos about where usability goes wrong and how usability can like be, be helpful and, 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 and rules of usability and that sort of thing, but also taking like a humorous approach, very similar to what we do on tales where it's like, it's kind of this boring concept, but if you can apply humor to it, it it's fun. Um, so I did that a lot. And then other, otherwise it's just the psychology of things like why, what is fanboyism, fan personism? Uh, mm -hmm. why is it, does it exist? Uh, you know, what does it stem from that sort of a thing, uh, approach to, to videos is kind of historically what I've done. Yeah. And you develop games. Yeah. Yeah. And I develop oh uh, games, gosh. very small games, very small games. I don't want anybody to get any thoughts of, of <laughs> there being some amazing games out there, but definitely very much like. I loved your Stardew Valley, man. I thought that was incredible. <laughs> Wasn't that good? Yeah, yeah. Man. It's like a, 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 a little thing up together. Uh, no, very small, like fun little experiments and mechanics and things like that. I'm I'm forever intrigued by just simple game mechanics, and I like to take simple game mechanics and just see what I can kind of do with them. So, yeah. Wow. So can people play your games? Yeah. Um, on itch.io or itch.io is a, a site where a lot of people, uh, indie developers, will upload their games. And it's actually a little, uh, I guess, uh, life hack. Uh, a lot of times games that you, that come out years later, start on itch.io, like inscription, for example, was a game that came out last year and made a huge splash. And everybody loved it, but you could play a version of that on itch.io four or five years ago. Um, and so you can kind of see the seeds of these games that become really big indie darlings, but yeah, uh, itch.io, uh, the username is Caleb J Ross, uh, Caleb J Ross everywhere on the internet, which I'm sure I'll mention again later, but yeah. <laughs> Are we forgetting anything? I feel like I'm missing another project that you've worked on. Um, if so, it's, it's not as important as Travis telling us about all the cool stuff he does. Oh, you're so <laughs> modest. You're so uh, modest. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to brag on Caleb a little more because I, I, not that he undersold himself, but, uh, a lot of his content, whether it be his books or his videos is a, a very strong mix of high intellect and comedy. He's very good about that. So even in a lot oh. of his videos, you'll learn something and you'll also get a, get a taste of a sense of humor. It's not you know, dry usability, human factors, <laughs> videos, it's actually like, oh, I learned something. And that was, uh, I got the punchline too. So um, oh, his books are occasionally more bleak, but the, the humor's in there. So C Caleb is, is strong all the way around. Definitely check him out. He makes for a great co-host. It's, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, I do way too many things. Um, I, I don't I don't know where to start. And I, I do think I'm, I'm much like Caleb in that I can't, consume anything without wanting to create it as well and uh caleb is <clears throat> kind of a uh i guess an inspiration for a lot of the things i like I, I take in a lot of his 
or back in the day, his YouTube stuff and his writing. And that kind of got it, got me to want to write, which is where scripting for tales kind of comes in. I get to exercise that, that muscle a little bit. Um, and so I, I think I'm like him in a lot of ways. So I have a YouTube channel for, um, NES games that was inspired heavily by a guy named SNES drunk, who a lot of folks are aware of. He does capsule bite-sized reviews of predominantly Super Nintendo games, but mostly 16-bit era. And uh, I liked what he was doing. And I reached out to him one day and was like, hey, man, are you ever, you think you'll ever dip into the NES stuff? Because it's kind of like my place. And I don't, you know, if you're going to do it, maybe I won't. He's like, I probably won't. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll just, I'll, I'll take a stab at it then. And then what I created ended up being so much like his stuff. I was like, well, I'll just rip this guy off. That's not great. <laughs> and so I sent him a message because I didn't really know him that well. And I was like, hey, man, um, I think I just basically made a video of yours with my voice. And I, I just wanted you to like, let me know if that's bad. And he's like, no, I think it's great. Uh, it's very useful. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just do this for the next 20 years. Then like you're doing it. So I have that going. And then when he and I became friends. And so he and I started our own podcast, uh, which marry our two YouTube monikers. So he's SNES drunk and I'm Ness friend. I my name even is almost like his and we became drunk friend. Um, and so by design, I kind of like, it's it almost if you look back at what I did there, it's a little creepy that I basically just like fall, it's like stalked a man on the internet and then became his friend and attached myself to him. There's a lifetime movie of this somewhere. Or there is, or... yeah. It, it, you know, Marion Baxter Bernie is being chased by a man, but <laughs> but uh, we ended up becoming friends and he's not creeped out by me anymore, so that's great. So, um, and thanks to him, I think a lot of our other podcasts have been uh, popular. So there's that. So I do a lot of podcasts. So I've already talked about at least two. I do it. The one I started with is called Polykill. That one's about beating games. Literally, that's it. We just we have a lot of games we need to beat, and so we beat them and we talk about that. There's oh, a whole not community. Beating the cartridges, like not physically. Polykill. Right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and that is the trope. I'm glad you caught on because a lot of people think it's like. I guess they don't even know what it's about. They're like, "Are you killing birds on there? What's going on with the Polykill? What's going on with that?" Uh, Can I ask you a question before you go on? Because I want to officially on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Polykill. Which is actually how I was introduced to Travis. Uh, that's the first place I heard about him was Polykill. But Polykill, the name, is it mean like Polly as in multiple? We're 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 killing multiple games from our backlog, or is it Polly as in polygon? We're killing game polygons. Mm, that's a good point. right. So a poly a polykill is an actual. It's an already a, it's a trope term for when uh, in a in a polyg polygonal game you kill more than one enemy with one shot. Oh, oh I, did I did not know, know that. that. Right. Thank you, and, Caleb. And, we're, I feel so educated tonight. <laughs> right, and that was all credit to my my first co-host on that podcast, Jake. Uh, he thought that was a good idea, and I was like, "That's great." Not realizing that the name of that podcast would scare more people away than it would attract. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been good, uh, and and our network is, is shares the namesake, so Polymedia because of that podcast. So that one's been great. So literally just about beating games. We have a lot of fun with that one. Uh, what else do I do? Uh, I do one about Goosebumps books. Me and another guy, we uh, we run through all the Goosebumps books in order, talk about all those. Um, and then I have another one about movies, Uncle Doug's DVD bin. And I'll segue there to say I met my Uncle Doug's DVD bin uh, co-host, Kevin, because I started uh, doing improv um, right after COVID, which is the worst time to to do that. <laughs> uh, you, you really want to be on stage in front of people when there's not a pandemic. And I, I decided a little <laughs> bit late to be around a lot of people. But, you know, I always had this drive to to kind of 
be funny in front of people, but I was always a little bit shy to exercise that. I don't know if it was my upbringing or whatever, but I was kind of like a closeted comedian. Like I didn't like I just I wanted to be successful, but I didn't think I could do that being kind of funny. And then at one point I was like, man, I just got to try this thing I've been wanting to do. So I I Googled online, like, where can I be funny near me? (laughs) And um, a lot of people were suggesting just stick to podcasts. I was like, well, (laughs) I named all of mine poorly and it's not working out. And they're like, well, there's an improv troupe like in the city over and you can take classes. So I took classes for a little bit and she was like, yeah, and I, I run like the city improv group. And, you know, if you if you if you stay with this, you know, you'll audition, it'll take you a long time, but maybe you could be a part of that group. And I was like, oh, that sounds like I'll never be a part of that group. Like the tone you said it in and the way you worded it was kind of like no one like you would be in this group. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you about it. it's part of like the program. Um, and then I just kept emailing her during the pandemic. And I was like, look, I know we're you know, we we can't really be around each other without seriously dying. But. I'd really love more improv. Like, do you have an online thing or anything? And finally she was like, do you just want to come to one of our rehearsals? And I think she was trying to be like, will you just go away? Would this make you happy if you could just hang out with me for a minute? And I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll come do that. And then I just never left. So I never had to audition, but they never kicked me out. So now I'm in that improv troupe and uh, that's a lot of fun. And then through that, I have now dipped a toe into to trying stand up, which is my, I guess, premier passion at the moment. So I do, I do a lot of things, but most of it just involves feeding my ego with laughter of other people. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I've covered most of what's important about me. If I forgot anything or anybody out there's like, dude, I do that one thing with you. You didn't bring up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that guy is so many things. He just brought up the important things that mean something to yeah. you. Yeah. yeah I've just so like unimportant know. people shut up. Yeah. I'm already here with Caleb. I mean, what do you want? I've, yeah. Come on. He's already scraping the bottom of the bag. Come on. <laughs> don't, make him, don't make him feel bad. If you want to be a Patreon producer, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Media, and find out which tier is right for you. Our Patreon producers at the $5 tier or higher for this month are Adriel Munger, Austin Campbell, Celeste Roberts, Christian S., Sana Dierig, Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. Thank you for your continued support. So are there certain comedians or stand-up comedians in general who inspire you? Oh, yeah. Um, good question. Caleb, you can answer this too, by the way. I didn't want you to feel excluded. Yeah. Crab <laughs> um, loves the guy with the puppets. Um, he no, loves... come on. No, gross. I, oh. I know you like Gary Goldman, which is like, why? Who does that? I love that? Gary Goldman. Yeah, I know great. you do. Gary's fine. Uh, I like... Um, you know, it's it's pretty telling of where I'm from, but I, I do like comedians that are, I don't know if you've ever heard of Nate Bargatze. That sounds he's, really familiar. He is, he's kind of, uh, well, one of his CDs is named The Tennessee Kid, which should tell you everything you need to know. Like he's this guy that's sort of trapped in his, where he's from. I think we can all relate to this, where it's like he he didn't really identify with the people around him because maybe they were a bit, you know, slow or rough around the edges or whatever. And a lot of his comedy kind of hits from that angle, which I find extremely relatable. And a lot of his his comedy is based on just how dumb he is uh, or <laughs> thinks he is. And so, which we can all relate to. So I'm big into stuff like that. So Nate Bargatze and I like Rory uh, Scovel, who does more like improv stand up. He's kind of 
a page out of Robin Williams playbook in that way. He too is another person who's like from Greenville, South Carolina. And a lot of his jokes are aimed at like his environment. Um, and Shane Gillis is a more recent one that I've become aware of that I really like. So those are kind of like the current ones, but I mean, the classics are that anybody would like. I'm also a, a huge fan of as well. What about you, Caleb? You have any? Um, yeah, well, I've, I haven't never been uh, brave enough to try stand up comedy and nor will I ever be. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely nerd out on stand up comedy. Um, the ones that Trav mentioned are, are all amazing. I, I love Gary Goldman. It's one of the comedians that Travis and I disagree on a little bit and that's okay. That's okay. I just like to give you a hard time. Um, Gary's fine. He wrote a textbook about writing jokes. I mean, no one's ever done that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I love, um, uh, one of my current favorites right now, although um, I haven't listened to any of his most recent stuff, is a comedian named Arge Barker, who uh, he, I think the the only thing that people who aren't in stand-up comedy spheres, I guess, would know him from is he did have a bit part in a show uh, called Flight of the Concords. He was like a pawn shop owner in that show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely love that. I, I also have a really, I have a very big soft spot for comedy. That's almost like too clean to, to admit to liking like, like a Jim mm-hmm. Gaffigan, for example, mm-hmm. like I chuckle so hard at Jim Gaffigan. Um, even though I know, like if someone caught me listening to Jim Gaffigan, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 uh, there's dick jokes in there. I promise. Uh, <laughs> He's vulgar. He's Trust me, it's vulgar. It's really vulgar. You just got it. You just you just listened to the wrong seven hours of it just now. So that's that's why you didn't get it. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm a huge fan. Every once in a while, Travis and I will um, nerd out about stand up comedy and end up taking about half of our recording time uh, <laughs> yeah. before we actually trading start YouTube recording. videos. It yeah. happens. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. And then it just devolves into us trading Norm Macdonald videos. For- that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a loss that was. Oh, I know. I know. Very oh. unique. Never. No one like him. No one like him. And probably because and, and there won't ever be, any, be anyone like him again because his style is so unique that anyone who even tries anything even within the same atmosphere is it's going to be obvious what they're trying to do. Oh, you're just trying yeah. to be Norm McDonald. You know, it's, no one it's, could have the confidence to tell a 15 minute joke that had no punchline. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> on live television. Nobody yeah. could. Oh. Yeah. it's all about the ride with norm yeah the only closest i would ever I, I i've ever seen to that much confidence is uh tignataro when she uh her entire stand-up bit on conan o'brien once was just her pushing a stool across the across the floor of the <laughs> studio because it made a farting sound and she and, and that wasn't even part of it, you could tell you when she first came out she kind of like leaned against the the stool and it made a sound <laughs> And she's like, oh, God, I'm going to do this for the next five minutes. And so she just kind of pushes it and looks at the audience, pushes it, looks at the audience. And that and it was the funniest thing. Like, yeah, it's great. It's a good moment. Do you both enjoy studying the psychology of comedy or at least, you know, why does this particular comedian appeal to me? Or why does this comedian tend to attract these personalities and types of people? Do you ever think about that? I think Caleb and I have had conversations about that and like in some ways it's, it's interesting, but, um, I think there comes a point in those conversations where it's like, you know, part of it's like spoiling the magic. I don't want to know why it makes me laugh. I just want to kind of enjoy it. But even sometimes in joke writing, I'm like, why is that funny? Why is ending on that suddenly so funny? And and most of the time it's just the surprise of it is what it boils down to. But 
see, and I'm, and I think what we've arrived at in some of these conversations too, is that I tend to favor, I tend to overanalyze and I really enjoy that process of like looking into things. I mean, I have probably three or four books on my shelf that you can't see from here. Uh, they're over there on that shelf, um, Ooh, what a neat that are, uh, <laughs> that are just about that very topic. Like there's one, there's one called like the humor code, which is literally about that. Um, there's uh there's like the history of comedy and like comedy throughout cultures and how it touches on people and stuff like that. And, and I think, um, I had one too, that, that really kind of spoke to me because it helped frame maybe why things are funny in a very simple way. And then it allows you to sort of like a chef sort of sprinkle different ingredients on top of this foundation. But the foundation was this, this theory of comedy called the benign violation theory, which is that something is funny if it's, if it violates some kind of norm, but also doesn't mm. hurt anybody. And so you can, you can go down to some of the dumbest things like a, a coffee mug that looks like a piece of poop or something like that's, I get why that's funny. I might laugh out loud. I get why it's funny because it's violating a norm. Why would you drink out of something that looks like feces? That's weird, <laughs> but it's also not hurting anybody. And so, but then you can sprinkle things on top of that and make it a little bit better. And I, and I have yet to really find a good routine like using Norm Macdonald as the example, I mean, he, that is what he's doing, right? Like, why would you go on stage in front of people who expect you to be funny and be not funny? Like that <laughs> becomes the joke is that he's not supposed to be funny and it's not hurting anyone. Every people are having fun out there, you know? So in subverting expectations is sort of a subset of that, because that's really all you're kind of doing in that. So I actually personally just love thinking about those types of things. I love, uh, laughing about something and then sort of trying to figure out if there's a universal rule or a domain of knowledge that that kind of fits into. Like, I know, like, why are multiple syllable words in sequence funnier than like ending on a single syllable word in certain cases? Like I'll hear someone do a stand-up routine and I'll, I'll kind of imagine what happened if they, what, what if they would have used this word instead of that word? Would it, would it have been mm. as funny? And I can generally rationalize, no, it wouldn't have been, or yes, it would have been. And it's probably the types of things that people in writer's rooms talk about, right? Where it's, well, it's, we can punch it up by twisting this word a little bit. Or I think Tina Fey had a story about how they, it was on 30, uh, maybe it was actually just a scene in 30 Rock, or it was an actual story from her time at SNL, I can't remember. But the writer's room had like heated arguments about what they should call this brand of, of cereal that they were going to be talking about because they wanted something funny. And they ended up arriving, arriving at something that is objectively funny somehow. Like even, even if you hear the name of the cereal, you're like, I don't know why that's funny, but it is, it, it definitely is. And they, they, they landed on it. You know, um, I personally love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I um, was watching, speaking of SNL, thank you. You, you triggered this in my mind. <laughs> I, was, I was watching a skit or is it skit or sketch? What is the appropriate? Both, right? Is it an improv guy? What's the difference? A sketch is written and a skit, you just do it. Okay. Go. It was, well, I, I guess, I guess it would be a I made that a up skit. though. That was a, that was a skit that I just did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to sound like I know it what I'm talking good. about. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching on, on YouTube yesterday, one of the, uh, I guess, sketches <laughs> that Pedro Pascal did where he dressed like a Hispanic woman whose son yeah. comes back to visit and, and brings a, a white woman as his girlfriend. Did you watch that one? Mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what stuck out to me <laughs> was the detail. It, it, it bears no importance on the plot, but after um, the mother, Pedro dumps the vegan burgers 
the mother keeps the bag, like folds the brown paper bag and puts it next to the garbage can. Like, oh, I don't want these um, horrific vegan burgers, but I see the value in this bag for whatever, like a garbage bag or a gift bag or something. That stuck out to me. I thought that was hilarious. And then I was reading the comments and other people were saying that absolutely happens in my household. My mom does the same thing. Yeah. Respect so- for those details is is fantastic um yeah it's it's it also probably allows people to be more accepting of of a potentially uh uh, uh fraught skit or sketch right like a, a like a situation that could probably err on or like edge toward like insensitivity it shows a respect for the details of that culture in that particular instance where I, there was a term i think uh maybe it was it was jerry seinfeld that used it to describe um to describe dave Chappelle. it's it's the term is called dodging the lasers and so like Chappelle has an amazing way to dodge the lasers he can get right up next to like being super super offensive but then kind of just dodge around it just enough to for people to then all of a sudden like be a hundred percent in on, on on his side again like in in such a quick instant and yeah those kind of details i feel like probably serve that same kind of purpose i would imagine that's a good point. Wow. I love this. Do you are, do you teach on the college level by any chance? Because we're having some very deep conversations right now. Oh, well, thank you. I I, that, I, I love hearing that because yeah, this, this is the kind of stuff I, I nerd out about and I love talking about it. So yeah, I'm glad someone is, is willing to listen and not fall asleep. That's great. Okay. What did you, our... you guys say? What did you guys say? <laughs> Sorry. Someone important. Let me correct that. Someone important. Oh, okay. So how do you both play games this way? Because I'm this person. I will talk to every NPC. I will try to open every door. I will look in every nook and cranny. Or are you more of a, let me just get to the main goal. I don't care about this. I can I can go on this because I do have an answer. Do you want to go, Travis? I've been talking yeah, a lot. Uh, I, think, I think I vary in that regard, to be honest with you. It depends on the game. I think if it's a game that's like wrought with dialogue, like after a minute, I'm like, oh man, everybody in here is a freaking chatty Kathy. Then I start dodging people and just try to get what I need out of the game. But if it's actually well written and interesting, I will, uh, I'll talk. And I can't even say that's true because I've been playing a lot of Shinmu lately and nobody is interesting, but you have to talk to everybody <laughs> because somebody holds the key to your future. So that's, that's not entirely true. But you know what? It's, Aside from talking to everybody, I do try to open like every door. Like I always try to go the wrong way first to see if there's that mm-hmm. hidden thing or, you know, I, I, I really like to cover the ground and the, the geography of a map. I'm not I don't really want to talk to everybody. That kind of wears me out. Yeah, my I, I do talk to everybody and I have to talk to everybody. And that's generally why I will stop playing a game. So Travis, his solution is to ignore people after a while and just beeline the game. My solution is to stop playing the game because there's no way I'm going to be able to talk to everybody. So I just stop playing the game. And I think that's why I've never been good at, like I've tried playing Dungeons and Dragons before and I'm terrible at it because I'm paralyzed by potential. I'm paralyzed by choice and possibility. And I feel like I I play, I tried playing Dungeons and Dragons and I often play games like RPGs and stuff like that with a mindset that, I'm not playing a role. I'm playing a player who has to figure out the game. And so rather than sort of absorbing myself and be like, what would my character do? What would my character do? It's no, what does a player need to do to solve this game? And when you're presented with a thousand dialogue options and a thousand NPCs, 
I have to ex exhaust all of those because one of those is, to Travis's point, the key to the future. Mm -hmm. So even in games unlike Shenmue, where you kind of have to, even in games where you don't have to, I'm like, but there might be something in here that makes this experience better rather than thinking the way to make the experience better is to is to ignore things and just do what a character would do. And I I can't the closest I got to doing that was recently the the game Pentiment um, came out and I played it's, it's I've heard it's it's a could be a lengthy game depending on, on how you play it. And uh, I've heard all, all the way up to like 20 hours or so. I played probably 12 hours of it. Um, which was a lot. And I, and the only way I was able to get through that 12 hours is because I, I finally decided like, this was the one game I'm going to say, no, I'm going to play as a character. I'm going to make choices and be confident in those choices and commit myself to those choices. And that's it. And even then still, I got halfway through the game. <laughs> <laughs> I have either of you played, um, breath of the wild. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Are you looking forward to tears of the kingdom? Yeah, I would assume so if you like Breath of the Wild, because uh, some people hate Breath of the Wild, and no, which I, those I people was, are you know, wrong. No, you don't <laughs> like those people. That's, that's... I, I'm like, okay, okay, to each to each his own. Um, I actually was curious if you could follow an NPC, like you know the little travelers on the road. So yeah, yeah. I just kind of walked alongside. I don't even know how long it took, but they kind of just keep going in this predetermined path. But I was really curious if they did anything interesting. Have you done so that before? Um, I, I remember I doing that in like Zelda too, like in the, in the towns you could follow oh, people yeah. and they would go in and, in and out of houses. I always thought that was awesome. I was like, what are you doing in there? But they would go in there and, the, and then they wouldn't be inside the house. I'd be like, oh, they must be hiding from me. They don't want to talk. <laughs> come out, come out. It's okay. I'll, I, I don't I only use the sword against bad guys. I guess they're shy. All right, I'll move on. See, you have the, you have the imagination for a proper RPG player. Like I couldn't do that. Like I would immediately be like, well, of course, the system can't handle the memory to store it. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. There's not many characters in that, right? And that makes sense. That's why I can't go left after I've gone to the right because mm -hmm, the garbage collector mm -hmm. is dumping all the data. Of course, duh. Like, like I just can't. I can't get my head. That's all the right. improv right there. Yeah, Travis is good at it from what I hear. I, I don't know if that's true, but a lot of it's just convincing myself that everything's okay and that my imagination is safe. You know? it's like I love that. Nothing I, broke here. This isn't, it's just, they went and hid. That's all it is. That's beautiful. I need you to tell me if this is something you, either of you did growing up or, I mean, if you do it now, it's fine too, but mostly kids do it. But <laughs> <laughs> when I was little I, and I'd play games like Donkey Kong Country or, or even fighting games because fighting games are where most female protagonists made their debut. I mean, yes, there was... Yeah. There was a Metroid and stuff, but like for me, I, I, I did start with an NES, but then the Super Nintendo was truly the biggest part of my childhood. I would actually narrate my own little stories <laughs> while playing. Ah, nice. So I know it sounds bizarre, but you know, just, I don't know, I'm playing as Dixie Kong. And even though it's a very linear level, I just, Dixie Kong decided she was going to skip school today and go fight off some oh, bad. I don't awesome. know. <laughs> <laughs> Have, did I either of that. you do that? growing up or just because I'm thinking of like the imagination aspect and the storytelling aspect you both enjoy. I used to do that a lot with sports games and sort of come oh. up with my own kind of reality to those because I would always put myself in those games and I was about as athletic as a front door. But <laughs> those open, those can hit yeah, hard. Okay. Right. Yeah. They, <laughs> and they true. close. As they well. are kind of, I'm going to say maybe the most important part of the house, but <laughs> they, uh, those games would, 
you know, like I could put myself in as a, as a player or whatever. And I don't know. I just, I would really put myself in there and then come up with like all of these scenarios where, you know, in between the games where it's like, all right, yeah, I had a good practice. Like already kind of thinking about like the, the post game press conference that wasn't a part of the game. I'd be like, yeah, we really went out there today. Third quarter was rough. I think I hurt my foot a little bit. I was limping a little bit. That's why we didn't do it was hot. But we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to hit the gym this week. We're going to come out strong next week. We'll be good. Like I used to kind of do stuff like that, really like make it more of a reality about my player. And like, you know, cause I was in the game. I needed to be asked about it. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> I know I've never, I've never, to be quite frank, I've never even considered it. Um, and now I'm sad because I wish I would, I would have had a much more, lively childhood probably um it's but Caleb, you, did, you were a ninja for a little bit you did have well, you number have one the, of ninjas is you don't tell people you're a ninja well sorry to spoil that but you did really <laughs> think you were a ninja for a hot like long probably. ninja phase oh i had i had a ninja phase that lasted way longer than any ninja phase should last is it wasn't until last week <laughs> close <laughs> <laughs> now I was I was like in high school and still like dressing as a ninja, like going out <laughs> at night and like doing flips through the yard. And oh, stuff. I thought like, you, you meant do like flips. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I pretended I was doing flips. I thought you, I meant you were like a ninja at school, like you like everyone else was walking <laughs> in through the classroom door and there was like a tile that got slid out and then you would just kind of lower yourself like sting into your desk. God, can you imagine? Oh, that would be so great. No, I, I did. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was an obsession for a while, but uh, it was fun. Was um, it because of Ninja Gaiden inspiration? No, it was mostly because of Jean-Claude Van Damme, who never played a ninja. Uh, so I don't know oh. why he had such a an impact on that. <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. thought ninjas were great. Is you know? weird. That what that is weird. I never asked yeah. you about the origin story, and that was not <laughs> That's what I expected. probably the origin story. I mean, if it's not the origin story, there's a Venn diagram overlap of like my infatuation <laughs> with Jean Claude Van Damme and in in martial arts in general that kind of coalesces mm. into maybe a ninja somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, I've ne- no, I've never done that. Although you bringing this up, and then Travis saying he uh, he had fun make em ups with sports players, and then. It makes me think that like maybe this isn't as uncommon as as maybe people would purport it to be because one of my favorite podcasts um, is called Waypoint um, Waypoint Radio. Uh, I think it's part of the Vice Network. I think. Yeah, um, but, I just yeah, I just listened video. to their Norco interview. Um, yeah, last week. it's it's such a good podcast. Uh, the people on there um, have are they're so educated they're so articulate they have ways of phrasing like if anyone any person on that podcast wrote a book like i would be buying that book like that's kind of how great they are but uh one of the newest people on there their name is renata price they just recently talked about how uh there's a game i can't remember the name of the game but it's essentially like a dwarf fortress kind of game where it's like mostly statistics and mostly like numbers and there's not really a lot of characterization done in the game itself um they were talking about how they actually kept a journal even today, like as an adult, they keep a journal of the characters day to day to sort of inform like the, how they approach the game the next day and be like, okay, this person or this character was doing this at this time. And they kind of write this little journal, this little diary about their character. And I'm like, that's, that's further than I would ever think to go. But the idea of that is very intriguing to me. Yeah. That's dedication. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was just narrating stuff out loud in the living room. My mom would walk in and say, who are you talking to? And <laughs> my only friend, the video game. <laughs> did, did you by chance go to prom dressed like a ninja? God, that'd be awesome. But no, you should I should say, cool yeah, but like, cause nobody saw you. <laughs> Maybe oh. I did. Like, oh yeah, I sure did. 
I was not confident enough in my ninja love back then. I was, it was definitely a closeted ninja lover. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Probably a better way to phrase that, but. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like Michael Scott saying, my name is little kid lover. I want everybody to know <laughs> what I'm interested in. <laughs> but, now this guy was not a ninja, but when I, I went to um, a French immersion school for five weeks in the summer in uh, 2009 in Nova Scotia. And there was this, this guy who would wear headphones. I think he had a, either like a Walkman or something. What was what device? What music listening device was out in 2009? 2009, you said? Mm-hmm. Probably like an iPod maybe or something? IPod? No, that was probably before. Like that a was Nano? an after iPod. A Zoom? Like a a Zoom. That's probably what it was. Something. He had something. He'd... He'd run around the campus listening to music and like reenacting whatever opera or musical he was listening to. So hmm. I'm just, I'm picturing you as a ninja doing that. Man. What music do ninjas listen to, do you think? Ooh. <laughs> That's a good question. Ooh. Is it just like windpipes or do you think they listen to like, <laughs> like heavy, like. Enya. Uh, Enya. Oh, Enya. Yeah. You'd probably, you'd probably be surprised. It'd be like Alan Jackson. You're like, wow. <laughs> Did not That's see weird. that coming. Chattahoochee, man. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like the dick. No, I think they're just called the chicks now, but like I, I knew them oh, like right. the Dixie yeah. chicks. Like goodbye, Earl, while you're. Oh, there you go. Being <laughs> an ninja. <laughs> I feel like the just the act of listening to music might compromise the spatial awareness that one needs as a ninja. That's you know? true. It Caleb. might no, that's, upon that a little bit. That's thinking like a ninja, which is impressive. Uh, you still do maybe it. Maybe that's you got it in you, no man. music. It's just the headphones, no music. People think they can't hear. Oh, ah. but that ninja can hear. It's my. It's the same move I use on an airplane. As soon as I sit down on an airplane, I put these headphones on. I don't plug them in. This is just a clear signal to say I don't like talking to strangers. Just don't do it. Like, leave me alone. You know. Wow. That's what this is. I have a ninja on the airplane. Yet in video games, you don't. You want to talk to like everybody, but in real life, not at all. That's because it's a very controlled yeah. exchange. There's I only a certain it. number of things those people are going to tell me. You know. I get it. No, I get it. It's impressive. Strangers I... can tell me anything. I don't want to hear any of it. <laughs> Well, you're making me wonder if I'm an NPC in someone else's world because people, random people, especially at grocery stores, have a tendency to talk to me. Hmm. Um, today I went to the grocery store and I was getting, I went to the Walmart market. Do you have those in your area? Yeah, like those. neighborhood yeah. market? Um, hmm. I just, I wanted to get my, my chicken. And this older gentleman said, oh, I'm going to have to talk to my bank account before I buy meat anymore. Just. <laughs> unprovoked I've, I've never met this gentleman in in my life and i said wow. oh yeah you're right everything's very expensive and then he said uh next thing you know they're going to be setting up desk with an accountants in front of the meat department that's a good bit that guy was working on a bit that's pretty yeah, good he bit. he's like i got a whole meat economics thing if you want to hang out for a minute i got i got about four or five more minutes if you don't mind <laughs> Um, so I don't, I don't know if that happens to either of you where complete strangers just walk up to you and, uh, share you their opinion. Fetch quest? Uh, no, he, he started going into, <laughs> um, political conspiracies a little bit and I just kind of nodded and smiled oh. and I just thought, can I, can I buy my chicken? Not a bit. Yeah. I see that was, Not that might've been Joe Rogan. Was it Joe Rogan? <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, I don't know, but it was, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> I just I just want to come get my groceries. And then a few weeks ago at the same Walmart, someone was kind of following me down the aisles and finally said, excuse me, do I know you from somewhere? And I, I didn't even tell him my name, but he kept trying to guess where he might know me. <laughs> yeah, from, from right now, right here. 
<laughs> Remember that time? <laughs> so I need to do what Caleb does and dress like a ninja and put headphones yeah, there on. There you headphones go. On. No one wants and, to talk and, to that person. And the people who do talk to that person, they're probably pretty cool people. Yeah. You know? That's true. Do, do, do random people walk up to either of you and start talking to you at either stores or movie Man, theaters? Not, or anything? not often anymore. I feel like when I was a younger lad, older women would be inclined to like talk to me. Like, give me the old sweetie or honey pie or something like that. Uh, now, most people, and I don't know, I guess I just give off like four year old dude vibes, but most people just steer pretty clear. You know, like, <laughs> that guy, he's, that guy's got his, you know, his Beano and his hot dog buns. He's trying to get into a family. We'll just leave him be. <laughs> Is Beano effective? I remember those commercials. <laughs> I was trying to think of like, what's the most 40 year old gastrointestinal thing I could <laughs> add to this bit. I, I've actually never tried it, but I bet it, I bet it goes far. I bet a lot of people who use it are pretty happy about it. Do you remember the, <laughs> do you remember the commercial with the monks for it? I do. Yeah. yeah. I remember one that stuck. I don't know if it was Beano specifically, it may have been gas X, but one where these two people were in a car together, I guess they were on a date and I, I guess they had had some food that, that made them gassy and they were a little shamed, but the, 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 animation of it was that their stomachs were just getting bloated with gas so they were like both filling up this car with their size and that whole concept <laughs> kind of terrified me i was like I, like are they do people actually go through this like can you have to like fart so bad you almost explode that's rough <laughs> did you did either of you read far from the matting crowd Mm-mm, no um oh my gosh what's Dil- dylan thomas I've heard, the, I've heard Dylan Thomas for sure. Yeah. I just Googled I, no. it. Far from the Madden crowd. Um, this is related, I swear to God. Um, there, <laughs> there, is, there is a chapter where these sheep eat some type of clover that causes them to become filled with gas. And the shepherd has to find a way to relieve them of their gas. Oh, I see. Thomas Hardy. I'm sorry. Thomas Hardy. It was a Thomas. There was a Thomas. Yeah. There was, you did have a Thomas in there. Fair enough. Yeah. So I'm what was so the sorry. solution? Don't keep us in... in, in uh, suspense. I I don't. I think he had to like somehow poke them. I mean, this was so long ago when I was in college. <laughs> I think so. He had... So it was like a giant needle, and then when they did it, the the, the sheep was like. <laughs> like sting. Did that happen? It was. That it was some. Cool. It was a very delicate procedure because I think one or two of the sheep actually died in the process. <laughs> but yeah. anytime I'm, I have that uncomfortable state of being, I, I think about how I wish that dude were there to help me. <laughs> his name was gabriel and he knew, yes. really knew how to de-bloat a sheep yeah it's like man i wish gabriel were here i can say uh with one of one of my novels involves like a beef packing plant and i had to do a lot of research on that and it is true that cows because they're fed on like their stomachs can't digest corn but they're fed on a pretty much an all corn diet uh in order to get them to a certain weight and so they do have to, like the people have to inject them with, there's a certain type of injection that they have to get that helps them to like, I don't know if it's just to let the gas out or if it helps them to sort of process the corn in such a way that like they don't die. They don't suffocate essentially because their, their lungs can't, they can't breathe because they're oh so Oh my God. Yeah. It's uh, one of the, one of the many horror stories of, of beef packing plants for sure. Did hey, you read the just jungle? find something else to feed them. It seems like a lot of work just to get, a, get the corn through. Yeah, but it's cheap and subsidized. That's that's the way they have to do it. I actually also read, I don't know if it was during research for that book, but like, uh, it's cheaper for farmers to feed pigs candy than it is to feed them 
corn from which the candy is made <laughs> because the because the corn syrup used in candy is so heavily subsidized that it's actually cheaper just to like buy the processed high fructose corn syrup candy and give that to pigs. Yeah, and, and that's how they make corn. maple bacon. And is it delicious? <laughs> it's true. It's all right. Pre-caramelized. It's yep. amazing. <laughs> that sounds like a, is it Sinclair Lewis or Upton Sinclair? Oh, it does. Jungle? It sounds like a, the jungle thing, right? The jungle, like a, yeah. Yeah, it does. Man. God, that book is gnarly. <laughs> Do you want to work? I haven't read it since high school, but it is, I remember being gnarly. You ready to go work in a meatpacking plant? <sighs> no, I, I don't have the stomach for that ever like uh, I no yeah I think about how like my great grandparents used to slaughter chickens and I'm like well I guess I would just die because yeah <laughs> I can't do it I, I I'm glad I... they did it so we don't have to you know <laughs> I couldn't even work in a candy packing plant there's like nothing about work I find exciting at all <laughs> I'd rather just podcast it's so much more fun so you're not one of those people who says you know I could never retire because I'd be so oh, god bored. no I feel like it, I Dude, if it were an option, I'd do it like I would have already done it. I don't enjoy <laughs> work at all. I stayed in school until I was 40 to not work. That's true. It wow. Is, work is stupid. That, that's what I, mean, I should have done. I mean, you did still also work. Kind of. I mean, I was like, I can't right now. I'm a student. <laughs> I'm studying. Leave me alone. I'm trying to be smart. Go away. I'm doing stuff. What, what Boss, did you get out of my room. I'm studying. <laughs> yeah. What did you study if you, if you don't mind? Uh, usability. Well, everything Caleb made fun of on his YouTube um, mm -hmm. channel. I was. Uh, you were the human... inspiration for me, Trav. Thank you. Yeah, hu human factors engineering is what I what I got my degree in. Uh, so wow. I, I know a lot about like dumb design, which is Caleb. Caleb loves. <laughs> I I do. It's it's fun yeah. to talk about. I don't know. Maybe maybe I have more fun talking about what your degree is about than you do. Fine. That's fine. It's true. I mean, we got to enjoy jokes like, why do knives say keep out of children? Like, that's fun. Like, you want to design a knife not to go in a kid, but you can't because it's hard to do <laughs> that. Knife. It's yeah. a knife. So you just put a little sign on it that's like, dude, keep seriously of all the things out of the children. Keep it out of children. You can put it in anything else but children. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's what my degree was in. How to make things safe for stupid people. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. What's your claim to fame? Have you have you invented anything that's saving the world or uh oh I do have a, a slight claim to I guess modest academic fame. Not that my name's on it or anything, but um most of my studies were in lighting and visibility. Super exciting topic. Always people wondering <laughs> about lights. We take them for granted, I'll say that. Um but I worked with the uh, the Virginia State Police on a project. Because um, a big thing is the move over law, right? So when a cop pulls somebody over, other motorists are in, in a lot of states encouraged to get into another lane and give mm -hmm. some space between them, right? Uh, and they were like, man, no one's really doing that. Kind of sucks. Feels like we're about to get hit by every car that passes. Is there anything that you guys can do from a visibility and lighting standpoint? And we found uh, a couple of things. One, the Virginia State Police all like always used just blue lights on the top of their cars. It was a traditional thing. A lot of a lot of local uh, agencies and other state agencies will mix the red and the blue. Some will have red uh, only. Some have blue only. Virginia State Police were only blue. And so what we found was that in the state of Virginia specifically, whenever that they saw a um, blue lights already pulled over on the side of the road, they're like, well, that guy's already got somebody. They're probably not going to get me. Uh, I'm either just going to stay in my lane or not slow down or not pay attention or whatever. 
but when you add red lights to that, now people are like, oh, there must be some kind of wreck or emergency up ahead. Mm-hmm. It might be a fire truck there or an ambulance as well or some other cautionary vehicle. So just with the addition of red, one, psychologically, that helped people move over. Uh, but two, people innately respond to red with a bit more caution. It's just the way we're programmed. So they're more likely to slow down as soon as they see it. They, and it's, it's much more visible um, during the day where blue lights get washed out by a blue sky. So uh, we did a bunch of studies for them. And basically, you know, a lot of that was already kind of known, but the extent of it was sort of unknown before that. And it became um, a bit of a, a a nationwide study for a lot of police agencies to, to leverage for the safety of their own officers. But uh, the Virginia State Police completely changed the way they outfit their vehicles based on um, my dissertation, which was really cool. In addition to adding little Chevron designs on the back of their car that we showed would uh, increase their visibility and keep them safer as well. So that was really cool. So now when I see a Virginia State police car pull me over, I'm like, hey, guy, yeah, you know, your car. I did that. (laughs) So maybe let me go today. All right. I'm out there keeping you safe. That is so cool. I I never would have thought of that, but I didn't realize they didn't use just blue for a little while and and not a mixture of red and blue. Yeah, the Virginia State Police, I mean, a lot of the agencies are very traditional. They're like, we've had just a blue light bar since 1943. It's like, well, maybe it's time to to look into changing that a little bit so that <laughs> you don't die as often. Just the color red was invented in 1962. <laughs> You've had it for a while. So Red's been out a bit, <laughs> but maybe try to work it in there. And a lot of it, too, they're kind of aware of, but I think they really needed the... Uh, sort of the scientific evidence to to force the dollars in that direction because outfitting a whole new fleet of vehicles isn't like a decision you make on a whim right mm-hmm. but uh no it was good it was it wasn't just for them though i, I throw them under the bus because they were our partner but um a lot of agencies around the the u.s changed their what we call livery their visible elements of their vehicles because of that study which is pretty cool and how how long did it take to work on that it was a five-year project so it took most of my life. I'm only nine years old. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> that is, I think we take a lot for granted in this world. We don't realize how much research and how much work goes into the things we enjoy or, or just observe. Yeah. A lot of it was field studies, too. So we had to pick out all of these areas around the state where we would set up a mock traffic stop where I was actually pulled over during these traffic stops. And we had all of these systems set up along the side of the road that would monitor traffic behavior on the way up. So, you know, it had radars and cameras and um, they were concealed enough to where people didn't really know what they were for. So they would drive normally and then we collected baselines and all of that. So that alone took two years because there were so many different factors because we wanted to try it on different types of roads, different road classes, different areas of the state, because Northern Virginia is a a completely different kind of area than where I'm from, the more rural area, different types of drivers, et cetera. So there was a lot of different variables we had to soak up so that we could account for the plethora of driving profiles. It took a really, really long time to learn kind of what we already knew, but no one had ever done that research before. And that's what research is sometimes is putting numbers around what you already know. I told you so. It's that I told you so moment. I know, which felt good to write because you never, I've had to do research projects where like I was pretty sure it was going to end a certain way and it didn't. And my report was just like, we don't know. But <laughs> it turns out that I'm, we're, science is weird. We're going to have to do more of it to figure out why this is wrong. It's crazy. But that one was a good one because it was like, told y'all. That was how I wrote like the very, like the abstract it was like, told y'all. <laughs> 
<laughs> I knew it. Y'all will I respect my authority. <laughs> <laughs> Man, now I want to go pursue a PhD or something. I don't no, know. don't do it. Just just do what Caleb does. Be, get one on YouTube. It's way better just to be. Just do it at home. Yeah. yeah. It's, he's, he's right. I don't, have a, I don't have a witty retort. That's absolutely the best way to do it. <laughs> way better. Well, are there any other projects that, that you have in the hopper right now? Any future plans? Hmm. hmm. You're already doing so much. I, I don't. I don't know if you're adding anything else to your plate. I, I've I, been Caleb scold- is working on that book. I've been scolded by everyone I know and my wife to never say yes to anyone else until I run it past her first. Uh, I have really bad yes man syndrome, where I'm just a buddy away from taking on something completely different. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Hopefully, keep keep all of those balls afloat. I think that's it, and uh, and really focus on tales. I think. Last year we released only five episodes, and I want to I want to do more tales in this year. You've rejuvenated us, Celeste. I like that we're getting a little bit of attention, so I'm I'm, <laughs> at, I'm ready to go. <laughs> That's the currency you deal in. Is just if you give give Trav a couple of compliments, boy, that'll set him that'll set him going for years. Yeah, I'll start all kinds of Google sheets with you, and we'll plan something. <laughs> <laughs> so I should check my email. Um, yeah. <laughs> in my inbox, and- I've had some ideas for you. I'm like, man, I bet you'd be good on a show that. Nah, I can't. I won't. <laughs> we do have in the discord we do have always have just tons of uh other podcast ideas that uh people will throw out there and be like wouldn't that be oh this sounds like a great podcast and there's there's a certain type of person that will then jump in and be like you know i'll i'll, I'll do a prototype episode of that i'll see how that goes throw it out there or whatever and it became so common for these like <laughs> ideas that sound really cool but no one really wanted to take it on that i had this completely separate idea called a podcast called podcast Island where every episode is the first episode. And so every episode of the podcast is like the first episode of just some weird podcast. And it would allow us to get super like granular, like wouldn't that be great if there's a podcast, like, you know how like milk cartons, like the way they're folded maximizes the efficiency for the way that like the, the, the dye press can cut them. Right. Like, wouldn't that be cool if there's a whole podcast about can, uh, milk cartons like uh that would be cool what would be more realistic <laughs> is maybe one podcast episode about that uh but just you know you, pr- you pretend it's the first episode every time so right um the alternative to that would be pretending every episode was like the middle of the season <laughs> so that you just start talking about this thing as though there's this entire history of like people already get it and then you just start talking about like milk cartons or whatever yeah. and i love uh, the idea that we had like doing a, a podcast about the show 24, but like starting somewhere like at 15 like, yeah. <laughs> and do podcast Island and just pretend we've gotten that far. I yeah. thought that was a good idea. <laughs> so, so yeah, the short answer is uh, based on that response, you, you should probably hope that we don't do anything else <laughs> yeah. actually. <laughs> out. Now our, all of our ideas are just meta bad ideas. Yeah. It's I, true. It's true. I want to know if, you ever come and perform comedy in my area? Cause I would love to see that. I don't know if you're traveling yet, Travis. Oh no. Uh, most of what we do takes place within like a 50 mile radius of sad Roanoke, Virginia. Um, <laughs> but you know, in a, I've, that's where I have, I mean, my, the stand up thing is literally less than a month old and I have, I have a, a show tomorrow that would be my second time on stage. So I'm not traveling far for that either. However, 
Uh, it is a good practice. Like anytime you visit a new city or space, try to get like an open mic because, you know, if you can make strangers laugh in one place, it stands to reason you could do it in another place. So um, if I ever do make it that way, I'd be happy to make a fool of myself at your local venue of choice. <laughs> but there's actually a local distillery that every third Friday of the month, they have open mic night and stand up comedy. There you go. All right. Well, if I'm ever down that way, which again, uh, my daughter really likes the princess and the frog and thinks New Orleans <laughs> is a magical place. So we could convince her it is. Uh, we could we could head down that way and, and maybe maybe I could hit up this. Did you say a distillery or brewery? A distillery. Yeah. Either way, I'll hop in there. I don't know. She she just leave her outside. What's the worst yeah. that could happen? Yeah, she's four. She'll be she'll be fine. <laughs> That's where she wants to be anyway. Is out in the kingdom. She doesn't want to be stuck in the castle. You know? No, and she doesn't like my jokes anyway. <laughs> you tried them on her too, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't get them. She really doesn't. What a dumb kid. I know. <laughs> and when is your Edith Finch book coming out, Caleb? Yeah, it's Caleb. right now with uh, with some beta readers, um, basically. Basically, it's it's effectively done depending on how much feedback I get. Um, and my hope, my fingers crossed hope would be that uh, that's a, that it's actually kind of print ready and ready to go by the middle of this year. So fingers crossed. <laughs> oh. I think it's good, though. I think it'll I think it'll be all right. I'm super excited for it. That's one thing that is is fun about Caleb, you know, where, where I'm, I have my hand in like way too many pots, but he distinctly pointed out those three. Like he likes, he's into writing, making the YouTube videos, uh, podcasting, you know, game development. And he does those like where I keep all of my balls afloat at once. He's like a one ball at a time, dude. And for a long time he hadn't written. And I remember being like, Caleb, dude, you got to write a new book, dude. I've, I've read all your stuff. I'm like thirsting for some new Jay Ross. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not, I'm kind of over, right? Like, I know I'm not inspired. I don't really want to write right now, whatever. I'm just into like the YouTube thing. And I was like, all right, all right. And then he stops making these YouTube videos and starts writing this book. And now it's been like a year since he's released a YouTube video. And I'm like, bud, we got to get you back <laughs> on YouTube. You're killing me right now. Cause now I, when you were, when you were, you know, making the YouTubes and not writing books, at least I had the YouTubes, but now I got nothing. All right. Yeah. I need to, I need to get you behind the camera or something. Put the book down it's, for a minute. It's so weird how quickly my mind can shift too, because I rationalized going to videos because I liked the more instant gratification. You know, when you write a book, it takes forever to write it. Then you get it out there and you get reviews. That's great. But that's kind of the only real feedback you get, um, and it takes forever to get there, and it's not very consistent. And then when I was making videos, I was like, this is the best, man. I put up a – I make a video every week. I put it up on the internet. People write nice things about me. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I have a whole new uh, cult that I'm developing. This is great. Cults are great. That was the takeaway from that. Um, and then, and then yeah. now that like – but now like I've been writing a lot more. And it's weird because now I'm justifying it as like, or still ra now I'm rationalizing how much that sucked. And now I'm like, ah, oh, that was sucked to have to be, have to produce every week and have these expectations. And even though my channel was never big enough to have expectations, but like, oh, I have these people want to, want to, want to new stuff. Blah, that sucks, man. Writing long form books, that's the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I'll end up twisting it around uh, yet again, I'm sure, soon. So. Yeah, you got you have to check out Caleb's uh, channel because you you, you got to look at that most popular video of his. You know, we're looking at over a hundred thousand plus views. You know, we we know what Caleb's this... interested in. He's interested in you know uh, game development and uh, uh, the books. Uh, did a lot about book reviews. Went through all the boss fight books. He was very inspired by that when he wrote uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. 
tons of great content. Number one video by several thousand views. Eight years ago, yeah. what does passing a kidney stone feel like? <laughs> Five minutes of Caleb just anguishing over a rock that went through his wing. And it's yep. the best. Yep. <laughs> That's true. Still quality. my proudest moment, right? I mean, if I could if I could produce a kidney stone every week, that would be the best, right? There you go. And then, then have like a little, bl- little web blog about it. That'd be good. A little oh, vlog. Great. Yeah. That's what, heard- you know what? That's moved the way of the YouTube shorts. That's, that's right. what that's for. Oh, yeah. Like, here's, watch me pass a kidney stone. You just <laughs> clean it up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't had one before, but I understand for men, especially, it is incredibly excruciating. Y- yeah. It's it's weird. I didn't know before, uh, before having kidney stones, like, I didn't realize that passing the kidney stone was the long part of it. So going through your kidney, that's technically what the passing the kidney stone is part of. Peeing it out is, I guess, <laughs> technically still passing it, but that's not really the part that people complain about. You would think it would be. You'd be like, man, that's got to hurt, right? Peeing it out. No, what hurts is the whole three-month journey through the kidney. That oh. I think that's when, when people talk about like it feels like childbirth, I think that's what they're referring to is like that long sort of numb, always uncomfortable pain in your back. Like you can't stand up all the time. Like that's the part that sucks. Peeing it out takes like, well, if you're doing it right, it takes less than a second. Wow. So that's that like opposite of the Dahmer party. Like the trip is wild on that one. Yeah. The trip is the worst. So. Jeez. Interesting. Yeah, I even wrote, uh, speaking of writing too, I actually wrote, uh, 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 or I, I created a video specifically about like passing, they're not passing a kidney stone, but I, I about, how Fallout 4, the game, kind of taught me that oh, I need yes. to drink more water and that would have prevented the kidney stone to begin with. And so I had this idea of like having a series of like videos or even a series of like like a standalone like mini series podcast that was like about how like video games saved my life. And in one of them would be like, and these would be like actual true stories, true like things. And one of them would be like how it was Fallout 4 that made me realize like drinking water is good. And as stupid as that sounds, I remember playing Fallout 4 on survival mode and you have a thirst meter. It was the first game I'd played with a thirst meter and your thirst meter. Every time you'd wake up in the morning, you would have decreased thirst and you'd have to get something to drink. It'd have to be one of like the first things you do in the game. And I remember thinking like, that's stupid. Who drinks water when they wake up? That's, that's, <laughs> that doesn't happen. And then it was later, like when I went to the doctor, had kidney stones and stuff. And the doctor was like, you gotta, you gotta you got to start drinking water, man. Uh, I remember the doctor specifically, this is a fun visual, so I'll be quick with it. Uh, I won't get too far off. I promise. Although I probably already am, but <laughs> one of my favorite things was like the doctor who, when I went in to get kidney stone, get it checked out and everything. The doctor's like, okay, well we gotta, we gotta monitor you for a little bit for whatever reason, even though I, I showed him the video that I was peeing blood. Like, here you go. It's like, it's, it's, <laughs> you don't have to monitor me, but like they had to monitor me. And so, um, they gave me these two big red buckets or, or jugs and they're like, okay, f- fill these up and come back and then, you know, we'll do studies or whatever. Um, and I remember when they gave me two jugs, I was like, what is this like in case, in case like on the way to the parking lot, someone steals one from me? Like, why do I need two? There's no reason. There's no way someone would fill up two of these things. That's ridiculous. Uh, and sure enough, and sure enough, I underperformed. And when I went back to the, when I went back to the doctor, like when I gave when I gave the doctor the, the jugs, you know, that feeling you get like when you're walking down the steps and you think you're on the last step, you're confident mm. you're on that last step. 
but you're not, and your whole body's like, like, oh, the spatially like mm-hmm. jarring. That was how the doctor reacted when I gave him two jugs that he thought <laughs> were heavy. So the doctor received these two jugs, like prepping for like, this is going to be heavy. The doctor was like, what? Like, did you, and he didn't even do any test. He goes, I can tell you right now, you're chronically dehydrated. Like, I don't need any more tests. Like, wow. oh, all right. Well, that solves that problem. It's like the pee whisperer. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, his, wow. his last name was Whisperer. His first name was Peter. <laughs> oh man, Doctor P. Whisperer, right dude. Yes, yes. I I have not had a kidney stone before. They're they're pretty great. Pretty. I cool. mean, is that what I need to do to get big on YouTube? Hundred thousand well, views on that one. Like that is so. It's. It's dishearteningly large compared to any views that any of my other videos have gotten. Like, I need to start doing reviews while passing kidney stones. Right? I need to start <laughs> talking about, like, video games while passing kidney stones. Because that's that's what people want, man. They want to see this guy in pain. I get it. I've seen my face. I mean, it, it is ripe for SEO because I'm sure a lot of people thought they had a kidney stone or were told that they had one and looked yeah. up, like, oh, my God, what's this going to be like? And your video is what does passing a kidney stone feel like? And I'm sure a lot of people watch that and probably either chuckled, gained some enlightenment or swore you off forever from that. But either way, I think that that was that's essentially what happened. Yeah, not as many people search. What does the game Dishonored feel like? It's <laughs> yeah. just not as many. It's not as many. Not as many. No. Yeah. So I'm just saying you need to have more like, you know, unique kind of ailments that you can talk about. And I think that that. That's what gets people going. Yeah. Yeah. Every 30 days, I get a new disease. (laughs) We'll put that as this goes into Podcast Island. This is a good idea. Podcast Island for sure. It starts on day 50, (laughs) day like 15, and I'm already just like exhausted from all 15 of the previous diseases. And (laughs) I don't know, guys, man. What are we talking about today? What what, what do I have? Lupus. 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 Oh, God. It's never lupus. It's going to be a tough one. I don't know. How do you even get lupus? How did I get this, guys? How am I? (laughs) I don't think you could just contract that, right? Is that. I'm looking around thinking I see people from my like hallucination disease from three months ago. I'm still seeing them like, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're never really completely cured of the last one. That's always the problem. That's the, the problem. That's the compounding isn't there, error. Isn't there an episode of the Simpsons where Mr. Burns goes to the doctor and he's like, you have every disease known to man, <laughs> but they're all fighting there. It's like yeah. they're all congested and they can't get through to your organs or something. Yeah. I don't it's know. like the reason he's alive is because he has every disease <laughs> like that's the only way it works they're fighting to keep him going yeah. <laughs> maybe that's caleb maybe there so you go. that sounds like a good podcast mm. is, is there anything else you would like to share about yourselves or, or life or, or kidney stones or yeah i feel like we've t- i've never talked about myself this long and then someone keep asking me to do it so i i don't know if you've been <laughs> like kindly trying to get us out of here no. like, all right seriously anything else seriously <laughs> <laughs> One more thing for maybe rub you. She's doing a favor for the world by exhausting every potential now, <laughs> so you never have to talk ever again. <laughs> ah, that's a good stuff. Give me round uh, two no. fight. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, I think I'm tapped out. Yeah, nothing for me. I think I've been uh, I've exposed myself as as much as any. Hmm. one person or group of people could ever ever want so yeah i wasn't expecting that sentence to come out of your mouth caleb it's an interesting way to have phrase that the last hour and a half? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you were talking about house of leaves and you're talking about psychology i've I exposed did. myself <laughs> <laughs> 
you know what? It's as long as it's not hurting people. I. uh... That's true. As long as it's benign and and doesn't. It's funny then, right? So if I so you're saying if I expose people, expose myself to people, it's funny. Maybe. Yeah. This is becoming slightly a confession booth. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that statement. You You might get. You might end up winning the lottery though, because then you'll be somewhere where you don't have to pay for your food or your shelter, but it might be for a predetermined amount of time and you might have to go to the courtroom. You have to wear the same uniform every day. Mm. That all sounds actually pretty glorious. I'm the type <laughs> of person I wear the same outfit every day. It's that decision fatigue thing. Yeah. I do like wear the same clothes every day. Yeah. You're Not like Ernest P. Rowe. You just have a closet full of red shirts with three buttons He's on a top. Smart man. Yeah. He's a smart man. Was yeah. rest in peace. Rest in peace. Ernest P. Rowe. <laughs> no relation what? to Dr. P. Whisperer. <laughs> where, if people want to stalk you, where mm. could they find you? My bedroom, mostly. Um, if they're good at stalking, they'll see me there, I guess. Uh, if they're ninjas. If they're ninjas. Uh, you go, Travis. You go first. I've been talking forever. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, you can find me on... Uh, you can find all of my podcasts at polymedia.com. That'd be a good way to start. And there's not just the ones that I listed earlier. Uh, We have a few more on our network that are really good. So go there and and check all those out. Uh, And then on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at TravPlaysGames. I have various other Twitter accounts for all the other podcasts I won't run through, but just believe they exist. And then if you want them, you can seek them out. Uh, I think those are the main ways I can be stalked from a safe distance. Quick correction, it's Polymedia Network. Oh, what did I say? Just Polymedia. Media. Ah, yes, it's, that is true. It's polymedianetwork.com. Yeah. Thank you, Caleb. No problem. That's what I'm here for. That's your rival um, gang. That's what they're going to find. Yeah. It's it, Right now, it's this rival game called This Site Can't Be Reached. Those <laughs> bastards. <laughs> I hate that gang. <laughs> Wait, that site can't be reached? Because I tried yep. to get polymedia.com and it said it was freaking taken. Oh, Maybe son of a... <laughs> now i'm gonna go buy that i was like polymedia network's way too long those polymedia someone folks need to give it, it up just not someone could still own it just not have it parked and it could just be not resolving okay. right now right. but they could still own it you know so i'm coming after um, you whoever you are i can be found uh mostly on twitter right now caleb j ross uh twitter.com caleb j ross it's caleb j ross anywhere so if you find a caleb j ross out there uh that's probably me except on facebook i'm not on facebook so those are all uh fakes Caleb fake Rosses. I don't have a Facebook anymore either. Yeah, it was freeing to get rid of it. I was happy. I was (sighs) one less place for strangers to bother me. It's a great way. Or relatives Mm -hmm. I don't like. It's mainly the relatives, right? On Facebook. They try to find you and then they wanna they wanna talk to you. No thanks. Gross. Mm -mm. Thank you. You want to talk to me? Send me a text message so I can ignore it at least. Come on. <laughs> yes. Make sure you have red receipt turned off, though. Oh, dang! Yes. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's good. I, I hope I do. Mm-hmm. I did find out once though that my mom had been messaging someone named Caleb Ross on Facebook for like a year and a half. No, she wasn't. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they ever responded. I think they basically <laughs> probably blocked her. Like, I don't know who this person is. But I, yeah, I told my mom, like, I'm not on Facebook. She was like, yes, you are. And she tried to tell me. I'm like, no, I've not been on Facebook. For... Yeah, my mom's great. She's like, your <laughs> other family's nice. <laughs> I didn't know you had four sons. 
<laughs> so wait, d- did this person have a, a picture, like a, a real person picture, or like an avatar of some kind? I, a... I didn't see the I didn't see the profile, but I would really hope not. My mom, uh, she might she's going a little blind in her old age, but Aww. I hope she's not too too terribly hard of sight uh, to like see a picture and think that's my son. How was um, your trip so... to Cancun, Caleb? <laughs> Look, everybody looked happy in the pictures. I didn't know you were going to Cancun. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping that there maybe just wasn't a picture. Uh, that okay, that's the best thing. I... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and what's great is my mom. My mom is such an awesome person that I didn't even hesitate to tell her that that was the wrong person. Like when it came up, I wasn't even trying to dodge and be like, "Oh, mom, actually." Um, I was like, <laughs> "You dummy, that's not me. I'm not on Facebook." <laughs> Did she give him her social security number? I hope not. I, I think she's I, she's not quite that far gone. I, I hope. Anyway, God. Oh my God. Yeah. Credit cards. She probably gave them your social security. I, I was digging through the drawer and I found your old social security card. I don't know if you remember the number. I'm going to type it out here for you. My mom became a, a, a high, an uppity, frumpity kind of uh, high class person. Just Never now. met your mom. She gets all the accents. Yeah. I have no idea what she sounds like. <laughs> I, do you two get to meet in person ever? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, we met at MacFest uh, a month ago, uh, and we met a couple times before that at various get-togethers with numerous factions of internet nerddom we've been a part of. But yeah, mm-hmm. we've enjoyed it. Always, always a delight. Slept feet from Caleb. You know what? I even I don't have it in here. <laughs> I wish I did. I have a pillow with Caleb's face on it. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do. It's as it's as disgustingly creepy as you think it would be. Like a waifu pillow. No, it should be though. That's a good. Oh, next I, I'm gonna get you the rest of the body as a gift. <laughs> it's gonna be a pillow with just my body, and you can I, just kind of put them together. Man, I if if I wouldn't interrupt this whole podcast, I would go get it. That pillow is uh, really something special. It you, was gotten. You can we, Caleb and I will just talk. We did a secret Santa. Well, maybe Caleb can explain the origin of this pillow that I'm going to go get. I want to know what why it's not hidden down here like it's somewhere else in your house which tells I'm me i'm not gonna keep it in my office it's weird man instead gonna keep it upstairs with your family no 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 it's in the game room buried under blankets i'm afraid of it it's like a gremlin I thought this was just a different corner of your game room. Okay. no that no i live in a giant palace give me a second <laughs> while i go to the other quadrant to get this pillow <laughs> you're gonna make walking away noises just yeah yeah, I'm just gonna... <laughs> yes get on the intercom and tell my butler i'm on my way <laughs> <laughs> give me just one sec. Do right. people do it's people, a do people still have butlers? Uh us fancy rich people do. I don't know about you. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'm sure someone does. Some ridiculous person out there has a person that they love to order around and force to do things that are been that, that are beneath them, I'm sure. I'm sure that exists, right? It's got to somewhere. Within the last few years, I, I was curious about butlers and there's like a butler society and they can teach you how to be a butler. And oh, that's awesome. I know. Right. That oh, would be a fun book to read. I should go to that class and just write like a whole nonfiction book about it. OK, I'm back uh, with this pillow. I know it didn't take didn't me as long as you thought it would. I'm sorry. Because yeah. I took the tram. So it was a quick, <laughs> a quick jaunt over. Uh, so did you did you explain the I, origin? Not at all. OK. Not at all. Uh, so. Uh, Many, I say many years ago, like we've known each other for 30 years, but uh, a few years ago, Caleb released a video and I paused it at a weird time when he was talking and it was, he had a funny face at this point and I cropped it out and it kind of became a meme in our discord to the point that we made it an emoji in our discord, right? As you do. 
Uh, and then at some point after that, one of our friends, uh, Joshua Leslie goes by hype man. He uh, jokingly took that emoji and uh, took the image of it, went to some website and put it on a custom pillow and threatened to buy it for someone like as a joke. We were like, wow, that would be a creepy pillow. Like, yeah, it would be. Years go by and we do a secret Santa exchange in the discord. And I get uh, Josh gets me and he knows exactly what to get at this point. So he goes back to that website, throws that face on there, actually gets the pillow made. And it shows up and it's two sides of Caleb's face. It's comically large and terribly terrifying. You think you can hide from it. You think you can hide from it. I have big nostrils and seeing that size. You think you can hide from it, but it's on both sides. (laughs) That's that's for somehow the creepiest part. I know. You want to be able to just turn yourself away from it in case like, hey, maybe don't look at me right now. Oh, God, here it comes again. (laughs) And it doesn't stop. Yeah. And you brought that to MAGFest. We we shared we shared a hotel room. And so I was able to wake up next to that sexy little pillow uh, (laughs) every morning. It was I I sent a picture of it to my wife and I was just like, I was like, morning, honey, or whatever. She's like, that's awful. Like, don't ever send that to me again. Uh, Yeah, it's it's fun to hide around the house and scare my kid and my wife with. It's good. Because it's it's not it's not even that it's Caleb's face. I don't want it to be like Caleb has it. It's just it's a it's it's a face that's already kind of like spooky in a way like he's seeing a ghost mm-hmm. but it's also like such a big pillow i didn't expect yeah. it to be so big it's so it's... intrusive that is and what big... i what i also i i'm not sure how to feel about it but like you're 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 saying it you're talking about this pillow as though the pillow is the, is the problem but based on the pillow's reaction it's seeing something not very appealing either so that's what are true. you doing in that's, front of that pillow that's that's what we all want to know isn't it think about it think about yeah. it Okay. Do you remember yeah. what it was that caused that reaction or you were just talking normally and it froze? I was probably talking. I'm a, I can be very expressionate sometimes, um, especially if I don't, if all I have to talk to is a camera and I have to sort of like project and do more hand motion than I'm doing now. So I'm guessing I was probably saying something like, I was probably like describing the recipe for the most bland bowl of oatmeal ever. And I was probably like <laughs> sugar or something. Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Oh my god! Can people order that pillow? No, <laughs> probably. And if you'd like it, I'll I'll be sending Celeste the link, and she can add it it's into the show notes below. I'll just I'll I'll go through my address book and be like, hmm, who has a birthday Everybody coming up? He needs one of these. Just no explanation, no note, no. just that Surprise. pillow shows up at their door. That's how you get rid. That's how you get people out of your life. You can put on <laughs> headphones and pretend to listen to stuff, or you can send them pillows. My face on them. I uh, love the Why? pillow. Why don't you bring it with you on a flight? There yeah, you go, Caleb. Travis. Yeah. yeah no, if you want people to stop talking to you, you don't. You no longer need your headphones that plug into nothing. Just hold a pillow of your own terrified face and dare people to speak to you. <laughs> I'll unstuff it and just put it over my head as a mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when the people walk by, yeah, go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. It's fine. Have a seat. That's fine. Yeah, I'm talkative today. Go ahead, sit down. <laughs> Are are you next, Travis? Or are you going to get a pillow made of yourself? Uh, I don't know. I I do try to keep my face off the internet. I'm not as prolific of a face guy as, as Caleb is. So um, I I did more face video stuff. So maybe someone could find a funny face of me and ter- terrify me with my own face. And screenshot now. But I'd prefer that not to happen. 
but it's okay if it does. I mean, Caleb looked like he was having so much fun with a pillow of his own face. I was a little jealous. I was like, man, I kind of wish it was my face yeah. that I could play with on my own pillow. Yeah. Oh, you it's a comfortable a, pillow. It's not bad though. Actually, it's good a quality. Wig. Put a wig on it. Oh, like yeah, dress it up. A wig on that. Yeah. I should. I I should have saved all the hair that I my hair up until about two weeks ago was down to here. I should have really? saved all of it. Yeah. yeah. I should have. Damn it. Was it really that long? Yeah. Yeah. I felt. I felt like uh, during during uh, the pandemic, uh, I thought if there's one, like I'm, I'm, I'm morbidly curious about a lot of things. Um, and I was morbidly curious about how gross I could get my hair. Cause I, I don't have good hair. Like my hair is very thin. Did you have dreadlocks just, at one point? I had dreadlocks at one point. And so I, I'm like, I want to see how gross this can get. And my <laughs> wife, God bless her. She put up with it. She, I mean, she was the one who helped me get dreadlocks in college. So she knows oh. my t- tendencies to just, see how gross things can get and so that's what i did i just let it grow out and it got as gross as you would think like it was not a good look um, i thought it was a good look thank you for saying that but uh <laughs> yeah it was pretty bad um but yeah i should i should store more moral of the story i should have kept my hair and mailed it to you i don't know why i didn't do that mm. no next time. Nah, next time yeah <laughs> it'll grow back you can make a voodoo doll of caleb yeah. oh would you like that caleb me to be in control would. of yeah. you in that way yeah. <laughs> I want to be able to blame the stupid things I do on that when I trip over my cat. I mean, like I, Travis is probably poking a needle in my ankle, in my voodoo ankle. That's I think you should doing. get that dead cat up. <laughs> Don't let Stop it lay. Poking holes in my cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I've actually never tried one before, so I, I'm not like a voodoo expert or anything. But you live in Louisiana. Yeah. That's all you guys do. Yeah. That's right? if I had a stereotype for Louisiana people, it's. Uh, basically just eating gumbo and stabbing dolls it's like the two things i know that you guys do quite often i mean that's what i do first thing in the morning i, I just yeah. i i sit up in bed and my bowl of gumbo is just waiting for me and, <laughs> and i go as i'm using the toilet i stab a doll and <laughs> there you go stab your toilet doll yeah that's how you flush right you have a you have a you have a, you have a toilet shaped doll and you just put a needle at it and whoosh. it's perfect oh, what's man. that Life this is why we script tales. We don't let Caleb have free reign. Script, <laughs> script that guy. Is is there an estimated time frame for when the next episode will be coming out for uh, Tales of the Lesser Medium? Man, uh, at this or time, I, I would just committed. I would say no, but hopefully within like the next. I don't know. Caleb's probably going to cringe when I say this. Hopefully within the next seven or eight years. Seven or eight oh, years. Oh, God. month and a half. That's probably fine. Yeah, it is. To be fair, like, tra- Travis is dancing around the fact that it's currently kind of in my hands right now. But now that now that the Edith Finch book is 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 tied up as much as it can be for now, um, that's kind of what I have creative time to dedicate to. So, yeah, that doesn't sound unreasonable. Yeah, that's, I can't Your wait. Best. I can't it's wait. It's good to hear that someone can't wait for something we've made, Travis. Doesn't I know good? it makes me want to make more of them. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> well, so whoa, whoa. whoa. So actually, before I was doing research on things outside of Tales of Lesser Medium, and I watched the track and field video on your YouTube. Oh, the Nest Friend? Mm-hmm. Oh, because nice. I, I grew up playing track and field, too, and um, the clay pigeon shooting inspired me to write an article for Renoli Magazine where the theme was shoot. And I did research on the Olympics that year, what, 1988, and like mm-hmm. I pretended that I was an Olympic competitor, and I researched... How I've never shot a gun before, so I was researching like, well, you know, how do, how does someone stand 
if they're going to shoot a clay pigeon and what does it all entail? So I watched YouTube videos and I, I researched poses and uh, the type of gun and why you hold it a certain way. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. That is cool. I enjoyed that. I appreciate that. (laughs) It also made me realize um, I'm not the only person who is not good at that game. (laughs) Thank you for that. because I never got the pistol shooting or the hang glider. You know, what I found in doing a lot of those videos, I think a lot of NES uh, players especially have a reputation for having that like get good mentality Mm. of, uh, you know, these games, you know, they're they're Nintendo hard. And uh, if you you didn't beat them, you're not good at them. You just you need to try harder and get better. But I've noticed most people really in the comments, at least relate to me when I'm like, this game is hard and actually kind of sucks for it. (laughs) A lot of people are like, right. Yeah, and I, I didn't expect that. Occasionally, you'll get those people, but usually their their correction or their correcting of you or, or trying to explain something to you is not as I guess salty as I expected it to be. Which is weird because you know Alex Nestrunk is is our friend, and his comment section is like like the it's like a, a war a war in there. <laughs> Everyone is mad at Alex always, and he's the he's very like level in his opinions. And I, I was always anticipating that would be the like me with like at the NES, like the comment section would just be on fire and people would be so upset that I had this very normie take about a game. But I found that most people are like, nah, for real, though, they're pretty hard and I hate them. I'm glad you covered <laughs> you think, this. Do you think some of it has to do with the, the, the SNES feels almost like it's a maturation of of what Nintendo was originally trying to do? And so there's this concept of Nintendo hard, not a concept of Super Nintendo hard, right? Like. <laughs> It's like that if people kind of because the Super Nintendo has ex- exists, it allows everyone to see the original Nintendo in a light that like, yeah, that's 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 the hard one. So then maybe when Alex is talking about SNES stuff, it's but that's not the hard one. Al- Why are you complaining? The hard one is the previous generation. You jerk. This is supposed to be the easy one. Alex, you suck. You know, like maybe there's like some kind of weird. It could be I'm that. probably overthinking it. It, I could, that. it could be that his channel's 50 times bigger than mine. And so he just has m- louder and worse apples in his barrel. But right now, mine, mine's small and everybody's very sweet. Bunch of sweet little apples in there just having fun. No one's in there mad about the NES yet. That's why I <laughs> like, don't let me get any bigger. I don't want people in there upset. That's We're all the to... action listeners. Go out there. Leave some. <laughs> be rude in the comments. Come on, live a little bit. What are you doing? So that that's a great segue to another question that I'm I'm thinking of. How do you deal with criticism? Um, or what would you what advice would you give to any type of creative pursuit that someone has where you know, maybe it's overwhelmingly joyful for them to create something, but uh, if there's a place where people can spout off their opinions, they get some negative feedback. How how do you deal with that? How do you roll with the punches? That's a really good question. I think that's something I, uh, I, I wrestled with a lot in a, a way that, you know, it didn't even exist. Like, I would kind of preemptively think how I would react if someone didn't like the thing I was working on. So, like the Nest Friend videos are a good example of that, um, where I basically prepared myself for, you know, there's going to be a lot of detractors in the comments that aren't going to like it, and, uh, you know, if you're really passionate about your work. And you think you did a good job and you put it out there. And then it's, like, it's kind of like no longer yours at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, you, there is a process you have to go through to kind of let go of it and realize that. And I think at first it was really hard to get comments that were 
pretty harsh critiques. Some people often give like great advice and they're very nice about it, but sometimes there's a tone about it that kind of gets under your skin. And that really bothered me at first where I could just tell somebody wasn't only critiquing the work. They were trying to hurt my feelings about it. Um, now that I have done it long enough and I kind of have built this own like internal confidence through repetition of like, I know what it's worth. And I know like essentially what level of quality that it is. Uh, I kind of like getting those comments now. Cause I'm like, ah, that's there. They are. They're still out there. Like it, <laughs> It's kind of nice for some reason. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing where it's like, if, if those people didn't exist, um, this almost wouldn't feel real. (laughs) (laughs) You almost kind of have to have those people there to remind you of, and kind of, I guess, make you appreciate, um, a lot of the good things that you get. So, but, but you, it also depends on where you do things too. Cause I think YouTube is one of those places where as a creator, you're very vulnerable because comments are what drives a lot of it. Podcasts are a little different and I think a little less fulfilling because you do miss out on a direct line of feedback or interaction between yourself and your consumer, which is where I think our discord um, where people participate with us is huge because I spent a lot of time making podcasts. There's a lot of conversation in that discord. It's not always about the podcast, but when it is, I'm like, what'd you like about it? Was it, was it good? Cause I spent a lot of time on it. And I, I don't like beg for that feedback, but I, I really appreciate it when it's there. And um, I think critiques are the same way. Like I appreciate them because I don't get them very often through through that. Um, as for comedy, I'm very fragile. So if you're not laughing at me, I'll go cry in my car. <laughs> Which is weird because him crying makes me laugh. And so right? it's kind of this weird cyclical thing where, um, yeah. That is true, yeah. I think what you said about time is is really worth because it because your original question was kind of like if i remember it was kind of like advice like what would you give like people who who maybe fear or how do you deal with that kind of uh, critique and i think time is a big one because the more the more negative feedback you get even the more positive feedback you get eventually you start to build up an understanding of what it is that you're creating to, to what Trav said, like you built, you, you get such a firm understanding of what it is that you're creating that then it becomes easy to decide what is actually valid feedback versus what is invalid feedback, whether it's negative or positive or the tone is bad or the tone is angry. Those are all personality quirks. You know, if I could say the same thing in a nice way, I could say as I could say it in a, in a negative way, but the actual like core of what they're saying, that's the thing that is worth paying attention to, not how they said it. And you start to develop the sense of what your thing is that you're creating so that you can better understand what's valid and what's not. And I think if, if someone is is truly like wanting to get better there, they would actively want that kind of feedback. They would want people to tell them if, if something wasn't working or something was good or something was not good um, and and give justification for that. You know, I, I think it started with me. I don't know. Maybe this is similar for you, Celeste, but when I was in college getting an English degree, um, I I minored in creative writing. So we would have like a lot of creative writing courses. And one of the things that one of my professors did, which I'm so thankful that she did this because it's helped, I think, inform how I approach creative efforts now is when we had pages to read or when we had a story that we had to submit or whatever, um, we would all sit around the table. There'd be eight people or so in a classroom and, and there'd be, it'd be, you know, this day is this person's story. And when that person's story was up for critique, everyone will have come to the table having already read it. They have their ideas, things they want to talk about. But what was incredibly important was the the teacher had a, the instructor had a very strict rule that the person who wrote the story is not allowed to talk at all. 
They can't say anything. They can't ask questions. They can't, they just have to sit there and listen to the conversations being happened that's taking place about their story. And that really sort of built a resolve for me to sort of understand people are generally like it helped me it helped me really see that like the the feedback that is important and the feedback that can help me get better is the feedback that's about the product and not about me any any feedback that's about me i can i can pretty easily compartmentalize me like that's just not helpful i mean i and i generally will even leave those comments like when i was doing youtube videos a lot more those negative comments even if they're about my me personally i would leave them there that's fine like they can say what they want to say but i could very easily partition and be like well that's not helpful for like what it is that I want to make better. And I, and in college, I just got a really good sense and understanding of how to do that. Um, and I thought it was an incredibly helpful exercise. I've, I've tried to recreate it in other mediums, but like, uh, when I would meet up, meet with, uh, game developers, local game developers, and we talk about our games, I tried to do something similar where it was like, let's have one per let's play one person's game, come with feedback. And that person's not allowed to speak, but it quickly like deteriorated to like, anger and animosity and that sort of thing. And I realized it was because without the structure of like a learned professor, like there in the room to be like, this is how we need to do it. Trust me, this is for your own good. It just kind of fell apart. So it's tough. It's tough to replicate that. But if you can get there, it's super, super, super uh, helpful to, to be able to find that division, I guess, between good and bad and that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. That is very valuable. We, I, I, my minored or my concentration was in creative writing as well. And in the mm. poet poetry class, especially, we, we all had pen names and we'd gather around and take turns reading whatever poetry it was. And you didn't know who was who. So that, that I think also helped your, yeah. you know, the other students who were probably all friends with one another and you didn't want to be a jerk, <laughs> but <laughs> you wanted to offer constructive, helpful feedback. So that, I love that idea. And again, it's about the product. It's not a personal attack and it's only to help you get better. I mean, if you think about it, it also kind of to your point about like the, the YouTube comments, don't take advice from someone or don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's, that also comes with a, a caveat of, okay, are, are you just full of yourself or... I guess, I guess it depends on the situation. <laughs> you know, I have to ask myself, okay, am I, am I just being overly sensitive or is this truly someone I would not take advice from? But yeah, it's, it's it, true. It's true. Yeah. And, and you got, I think, I think a lot of people will take offense to comments uh, or they'll be offended by comments, even comments that are meant to be offensive, like the, the, the trolls on the internet. I, th I think what happens is a lot of times people will be, people will feel deflated by those and give up entirely. And if that's yeah. the case, honestly, that that's probably for the most part, okay, because that probably is a signal that maybe that wasn't a creative outlet that that person was terribly passionate about. Mm -hmm. And it's good to learn that early than to do it for years and years and years and, and maybe not, re and maybe not realize that you didn't actually like it as much as you did. So, if, so if you get, if you get deflated pretty easily, then, you know, maybe look for something else or, or maybe try again or see what it is, but it's okay to like give up on something that you think you're passionate about because maybe you're not. Um, and that's, and that's, and that's, that's one part of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that was the, the probably the only point I was trying to make. Sorry, I forgot my train thought <laughs> there halfway through. It happens. <laughs> Caleb, my critique of you is that you need to organize your ideas better. That was Bush League. That was a Bush League way to organize your thoughts. All right, take that with you. Put that in your pocket. I hate you. You need to put that in your pocket. All right, I'm trying to be nice. Well, well, you're failing. 
like how you were talking about the different avenues you you both pursue. Like I, I've done plays before, and uh, every now and then my friends uh, or the people involved in the theater say, "Hey, you're going to come audition again," and I loved it, and it's great. But it's just it, at this point in my life, I, I don't have that kind of time <laughs> to dedicate, and I love it and I miss it, but. It's, it's work. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work and I enjoyed it. And I think you also have to ask yourself, um, Travis, with your, your yes man comment that, that made me laugh because I, I tend to be a yes woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to disappoint people or, oh, mm-hmm. they think highly of me because they're asking me to do something. But at some point you have to ask yourself, okay, is this bringing me the ultimate joy I need at this point in my life? Will I be able to give the attention necessary to make it the best it can be yes at a certain point you've at a certain point you've said yes to a number of things and you've had enough experiences to now know what it is that you can comfortably say no to because you've you've landed on the things that make you happy like i I do think being a yes person at at earliest early in life is can be valuable um one of the pieces one of one of the stories uh my spanish professor in, in in um in college mentioned was when he first came to america um, he was trying to find work on like a farm or whatever. And so the, there was one guy who had already worked there who, who spoke Spanish and English. Um, at this time, he only spoke Spanish. My professor only spoke Spanish. And so he got to the farm and uh, the, there was a, the, the guy was translating. And, and so the farmer asked like, hey, can you drive a tractor? And the guy translated and said, hey, he's asking if you could drive a tractor before you answer. And he's saying this in Spanish to him. Before you answer, I don't care. Just say yes. And so then, of course, the this professor goes, see, you know, and then he learned how to drive a tractor uh, in that. And so it's like it was basically like say yes to anything and then figure it out as you're doing it. Now, in a situation with a tractor, that can be very dangerous. But <laughs> that idea, <laughs> but that idea was like it was such an interesting idea to me to be like, uh, even if you can't kind of say you can and then expose yourself as an imposter later, because there's something endearing about that, I think, where people are. Uh, in most situations, I would say people are willing to sort of help you out um, because they're, you, they know you're in a position where you need help. You said yes, because you wanted to do this thing. You wanted to learn how to do this thing and be a part of this thing, be a part of this thing that that person is probably also vested in. So to sort of take someone under their wing makes them feel good. And it, it sort of by, by and large ends up being a net positive to be like yes to things. But similar to we were talking about how your creative output, eventually you learn what it is that you are creating. So it's easier to sort of say no to certain pieces of feedback. It's the same kind of thing with just life in general. You've built up a a whole lifetime of experiences. Now I know the things that I'm not so interested in. There's actually a, a term for this kind of thing, but um, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's from one of my nerdy psychology kind of books, but um, there's this concept. This concept happens a lot with like older people as they get older, they tend to be set in their ways. There's this concept like old people are set in their ways. They're set in their ways. They're not going to change. And it's because there's like a, there's a, there's an arithmetic being done behind the scenes, whether you know it or not, that's, I don't want to take chances as, as an older person. I'll use the idea of new new restaurants. Old people tend to eat at the same restaurant all the time. And and that's just, ah, they're being older, set their ways. But there's a certain amount of arithmetic where it's like, well, now, if I, first of all, I, I probably know what it is that I like, so I'm probably not going to find something that I'm going to like better. So that's part of like why I don't keep trying things. But the other part is, what if I do find something that I like better? Now I have to, I have to kind of rationalize that against a whole lifetime of having missed this thing. 
does that reduce the quality of my previous life knowing hmm. now that I was missing out on this thing that I now know about? Like, oh, does it shed this, this negative light? Does it cast a shadow over my life? And that's sort of a an arithmetic that it's scary to it's scary to want to sort of even make that calculation. And so people are like, no, you know what? I'm comfortable. I know what it is that I want and I'm going to keep doing it. Um, so yeah, I think probably comes with age. I mean, I'm sure that's correlates to over the hill type of thoughts. And, and you know, I mean, I'm sure there's something there where it's just, that's a natural part of aging as you get to that, that point, I would imagine. Man, thankfully I'm not there yet. I'm always looking for my next fetish. I'm right there. Just trying <laughs> out, give me something new. I feel like we went from very poignant to. That's I what I bring. That's, That's what right. I bring. <laughs> Always ready with the punchline. Well, you know I, what, Travis, your punchlines are my fetish. So thank you. <laughs> yes. I I do have to say, um, while seeing like my grandmother, for example, it, it you know she does, she knows what she likes to do. She likes to watch her jewelry television, her Hallmark movies, her HGTV. Uh, she knows what she's comfortable in her routine. Um, she's not adventurous, but in a way it's a little enviable, like just mm-hmm. to have that amount of peace with this is who I am. Yeah. I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> but uh, in a I way. Think I, th- I think it happens. I don't know if, I, I don't know, and I'm not asking for anybody to out themselves in ages and anything, but I can say that I recently turned 40 and I feel like there was a light bulb sort of switch where I feel like up until 40, there was always this thing in my head where I thought this creative thing I'm doing could be my new career. Like maybe I could do this thing well enough that this will be my job. You know, maybe I could Mm -hmm. develop video games to such a degree that that's what I can make money off of. That would be awesome. Oh, that's so cool. And then I feel like almost like the day I hit 40, that switch to, I'm not in a position where that is realistic to make a dramatic, a career change that dramatic. So now I can actually do these things I like just because I like them. Like now I can finally breathe and be like, oh, this is great. Like even, even like a perfect example is the Edith Finch book that I'm writing is I started writing that many years ago. Um, I tried to go to the traditional publishing route with it and it didn't really get any traction. I tried to, you know, get, get it into a publisher that I thought would really appreciate the book and it just didn't kind of work out. And I was kind of deflated by it a little bit. You know, I was like, ah, oh, I was hoping this would be like a, a, another notch, kind of another trophy on my shelf that I could really point to and be like, ah, oh, I'm validated. Look at that. Oh. And, and and it didn't kind of work out. And I was a little bit deflated for it. And then I, in tandem with me turning 40 and then also, I think it really, really was that. And then I kind of think started thinking about it. I'm like, well, now, now that I don't have that avenue and I've exhausted that avenue, now I can kind of do this and just write it for fun more fun than trying to find a market for it. And it just was so much of a better experience to do that and be like, ah, oh, this is going to be so great. So now when it does get released, I'm going to be like, I don't know, it's going to feel like it's going to feel like a different thing than my previous books where I was fighting for a publisher and I was trying to get it out there. And this is just going to feel different and probably feel better. And I'm just going to feel more relaxed about it. And I don't, I'm excited to feel that, you know, it's, it's going to be nice. That's beautiful. You're at like peace, that. Caleb. You finally, you're, it's all downhill from here. I love to hear all that. that's left to do is die. Yeah, dang, that's got to be goes according to plan. Will be thirty-five minutes. I think. <laughs> Man, oh it's got to be peaceful. Nice. That's gonna be weird if I die in thirty-five minutes. That's it would be weird. Really It'd be weird. disappointing <laughs> too. Celeste, would you would you take over for Caleb on Tales? If 
Sure. I'd have to play a lot of video games that I haven't played before. Honestly, you don't. You just have to follow the story on YouTube. I'm telling you. It's, it's all. There are cheats. There are yeah, it's actually easier to get the story that way. Playing it, you're going to miss so much. Yeah, like some of these 40-plus hour games. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, that's that's why we do Earthbound now. <laughs> that's a long game, though. It is long, actually, for an S for a Super Nintendo game, right? Yeah. yeah. But what's nice I... about that is uh, you can skip through the dialogue pretty quickly because you just have to skip through the battles. And the game itself, like the narrative game, mm. is maybe an hour. You're just skipping <laughs> oh, through fights, yeah. fights, fights, fights. Yeah, I I do now. I'm not. I haven't played too many RPGs besides that in like the Paper Mario series, mm -hmm. but. What I love about Earthbound is that if you are super powerful, enemies avoid you. And if you happen to run into them, you yes. just, you won. Like, you don't even have yep. to fight. Are, are there RPGs like that? There are a few. Not as, yeah, not as many as you think, <clears throat> not though, as many. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the Dragon Quest series is pretty famous for that, too, where the music will break out and then it'll be like, such and such, flee. And you're like, yeah, oh, thank God. I didn't want to fight them. Takes I think more often they probably just don't throw those creatures at you anymore in terms of random battles. Like those just don't exist on the map anymore, right? Like if you yeah. get to a certain certain level. Yeah, or I think in Final Fantasy you can or some there's some where there's uh random encounters where you can take like potions that will make the random encounters less prevalent for a period of time, which kinda helps with that. But it's so weird for like a game design problem to be solved with this item. Like, yeah, we know it sucks to have to fight random battles, but rather than build a better game, just, this <laughs> just take this potion. I'll take care of it. <laughs> there you go, breaking the game. See, even for me, I'm thinking of it through the narrative. Like, man, this potion, they must have, whoever came up with that had to be making millions. <laughs> People are like, man, I hate walking outside just having random encounters with bees, which I could just take a potion and make all the bees go away. It's like, well, now you can't. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Did, be chugging that potion every day. Did you know that you can actually bring Paula to meet your mother, Ness's mother, at the end of Earthbound? Oh, oh yeah. I, uh, I think in the uh, the version I watched, I saw that, but um, I was trying to wrap her up. So I, <laughs> <laughs> We've had enough of this pole star. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we need to go that route. We just, we I'm, leave it I'm happy you pointed out the name, her last name. That was... <laughs> And preschool. Yeah, I don't know how many people will ever put that together, but dang, man. A preschool named Polestar? Are we kidding ourselves? That's wild. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I feel like we could all talk for probably like five, ten more hours, probably. Yeah. Probably. We told you we promised we'd be your longest. Hopefully we've broke the record. Broke. I don't know what my longest interview has been, actually. I'd have to go back and look. I don't know. You might you might be close to breaking the record. You give actually. us names. We're fighting those people. <laughs> Part two. Yeah. We just talk about Travis's fetishes for like two more hours. Oh, God. So How this one started in middle school and... Uh... <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you guys. What... Is there is there anything else that you'd like to, to share? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I... I I'm tapped out. Um... I think I'm good. I'd, yeah. I feel like I would be, um, oh my gosh. I feel like I would be, oh my God, what's the saying? Caleb, help me. Remiss? Yes, thank you. God, mm. I haven't said that phrase gotcha. in like 5,000 years. <laughs> so I'm like, what's the word? I would be something. 
<laughs> I am missing remiss, obviously. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, though, because I, I, I love... I love going on tangents and I love seeing people's faces light up whenever they talk about the projects they're working on because life is heavy and and sometimes even one day you can go through a roller coaster of emotions. So I appreciate that you were the um, cherry on top to my day Aww. for today. Well, well I, I don't want to speak for Travis, uh, but likewise, I was looking forward to this all day. I love talking about things I'm passionate about and having a receptive audience is always better than the alternative. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I think we live in a day and age where the things we do are, you know, we're all independent artists and it's exhausting to have to constantly market yourself. And it's nice for someone to just be like, Hey, why don't you come here and talk all about the thing you're passionate about? And uh, I'll show it to my audience of people. And that makes it really nice and easy. And it's really cool. And we really appreciate you thinking of us and having us on. It's Tales of the Lesser Medium's first media interview. I'm so proud of us, Caleb. We did it. Yay. Oh, Yay. That's awesome. The first of one. The first of one. We did it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll have many, many more. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's a way for, I, I like to keep the format very conversational. And yeah, sure, there are the typical questions of tell us about yourselves and how did you meet and blah, blah, blah. But just like these tangents, right? Like yeah, I, that's, I had, what, that's what I'm good for. <laughs> I can go on so many tangents. So the tangent, man, Thank you, you, for scripted, that. you should have scripted out his parts. That's <laughs> you should what have I scripted do. my answers. That would have been way better. <laughs> I'm too lazy for that. To be honest with you. I'm way too it's lazy. Fair. But by the time this podcast um, comes out, Travis will have performed his second improv show. Yeah. Second stand up. Stand up. Oh, yeah. wow. Is there any improv involved in that at all? No, that that is well rehearsed and stressed over in advance. Um, <laughs> it, the improv is weird because it's, you know, obviously all made up, but there's two hours of it I have to endure. That's what makes that hard. But the that oh, wow. I have another one of those next weekend. Oh, my nice. gosh. Yeah. Are, are you doing that next, Caleb? Is that something you're going to pursue, you think? Not in a bajillion years. Okay. No. Yeah, we Notice. have we have in that we keep just making this podcast longer and longer. But we've had uh, we had our director <laughs> come in and do some uh, do some improv with us. And Caleb was a part of that. And oh, so yeah. he's he's done some some improv. Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's fun. Uh, the, the, it's the onstage uh, stand up comedy stuff that I would. That's easy. Probably neither. I would. I would do neither in front of a crowd of strangers. I guess I stand up's way easier. You wrote it all down. You just got to say it. Yeah, but then if it does, if if it doesn't land, that's a hundred percent my fault. Instead of maybe just go write something else. It's fine. (laughs) I'll exhaust. I'll exhaust audience members before I come up with something (laughs) funny enough to to talk about. I will. Okay, I I looked it up. Austin Campbell was your longest, two hours and two minutes. So I think we got him. (laughs) I took him down. Austin, you had Austin. a good run, bud. Man. Man. Oh, he's actually he's... no. I'm sorry, Uh-oh. Laron D. That's not me. I didn't interview him though. Okay, so I don't count. Gosh, man, he pulled. He packed in three hours. Man. That was with our boy Ed. Good job. Okay. All right. Well, then we'll we'll put an asterisk beside that. But I think <laughs> I think we got it. I'm gonna say we're victories. We're we're victors. Well, I will. I will end this with a, something that will inspire both of you if you're ever afraid to pursue your dreams. I was in a play called Calendar Girls where I had to be Miss September and I had to go on stage with honey buns over my chest. What? <laughs> like real honey? Like the, the edible honey buns? Mm-hmm. 
that's why was this like was this like a, a a theater with with the production budget to not be able to afford like <laughs> like I don't know like you could afford clothing? honey buns. Have you bought a honey bun yeah. lately? The honey buns are expensive. <laughs> You're right. I guess I was wrong. Oh well, the the um theme was like a bakery, like a baked goods. So I had to pose in front of like croissants and cupcakes. Wow. And oh. I I held up honey buns artistically. What were the croissants covering? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll let everyone use their imagination. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, it was, if you look up Calendar Girls, it is a play and a movie and it's actually a very sweet story and it, it's very tastefully done. But that was the first mm-hmm. play that my boyfriend That's saw scary. me in and wow. um, my mom was sitting at the table with him. <laughs> yes. Probably. Were they where? Were they prepped? Did oh they, yeah. I they... said, by the way, oh, by the way, I'm Miss September. And they were like, what? And I was like, you'll see. <laughs> you'll that's see. not prepping. That is not prepping at all. That's... <laughs> And then uh, all all of the ladies had to be December, and we had wreaths. So, oh wow, it's very Dang. tastefully done. Like the girls, the other girls hold up like a, a blanket. The audience cannot see you as you get prepared. And I'm not a I'm not a musical person, but I feel like isn't Calendar Girls well like it's a well known like musical, right? Like oh, it's a... I did no singing. Nobody would have wanted to. Hear oh, is it not a musical? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, Dream Girls, yeah. Dream Girls. I think you're thinking oh, of Dream, Dream Girls. I it, might be. I might be. That is a musical. Yeah. But Calendar yeah. Girls. So if, if I can go on stage with Honey Buns. That's right. Caleb, you can do anything, but I can too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> again, um, listeners, follow your dreams. Um, if someone yeah. asks you to, to do that, just say yes. <laughs> say yes. No yes questions. And. Just yes. Yeah, yes and it all the way. <laughs> Well, as a, as a refresher, where where can people find you if they? If oh they yeah, forgot. we said that one more chance. Ago, yeah, uh, give you one more chance for the for the for the, the website. website. They'll be in the it, notes yeah. too. They'll be in the sure notes, in the so. notes as well. All right, so uh, uh, you can you can stalk me personally on on Twitter and Instagram at Traff Plays Games. You can find all of my podcasts at Polymedia Network dot com, and you can find all my YouTube business if you just look for Nest Friend on YouTube. And you can find me anywhere uh, at Caleb J. Ross. That's the that's one word, Caleb, letter J, Ross. Um, most active on Twitter. Um, you can still visit all of my, my my YouTube is YouTube forward slash YouTube.com forward slash Caleb J. Ross. All that's still up there and probably still good. Haven't made a video in a year and a half. Um, I'm sure it's aged very well. Uh, social climates don't change quickly enough <laughs> <laughs> for my for my comedy to be that bad yet. Man. So kidney stones uh, are forever, though, bud. That's true. Kidney stones are forever. You should get a tattoo of that. Kidney stones are forever <laughs> with the letter four. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty badass. <laughs> Thank you, thank you both so much. I, I know that um, for Travis, for you, you're an hour ahead, and I think Caleb and I are in the same time zone. Central, real time. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know how to do time zone math, but uh, I'm in, I think I'm in the lead right now. I think I'm a little further along <laughs> in the day. I, I'm so excited for all the projects coming out, and I can't wait to see what other shows you have. And um, thank you for listening to the Talk the Walk episode <laughs> about yes, Life absolutely. is Strange. I'm a huge fan of walking simulators and mystery games and virtual novels. Um, There's actually a game that came out last year that takes place in a real city in Louisiana called Norco. I have wanted to play that for so long and I have not done it yet. Uh, But yeah, I'm I'm excited. 
Highly recommend it. Uh, I think it hits home a little bit for me because it's only 45 minutes away from where I live. So I'm like, I recognize that place. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm like, does it stand for like North North County or North something? Does it stand for something, Norco? It, it does. New Orleans Refining Company. Oh, I was way off. I was way off, yeah. But close. <laughs> but it, actually, no, not at all. We, well, we actually don't have counties. <laughs> we actually oh, really? Have, we have parishes. Mm-hmm. Par- that's what a parish is. Okay. I didn't know it was like equivalent to kind of a Okay. Yeah. I it, it's um, Yeah, because of Catholicism. Like we were owned by the Spanish. We were owned by the French. They It was like a ping pong match and they were super Catholic and they decided to uh, go with parishes. Huh. They're like, we have to be really different. I mean, we're already like second to last in education, but we'll be first in being <laughs> different. Okay. So thank you, Mississippi. I'm just yes. kidding. I love, Miss- <laughs> I love Mississippi. I truly do. I go there often. I, I love Mississippi. Sure. Just to remind you how far you've come. Like, this is, this is, <laughs> Louisiana is way better. thank you both so much and if you ever do find yourself here i'd love to see you um you can eat alligator you can oh nice all of that i always wanted to get back at alligators i might eat one (laughs) (laughs) they've had plenty of humid it's our turn (laughs) i know oh thank thank you everyone for listening um this has been an absolute delight I look forward to interviews. I look forward to interviewing these two guys. They were they were so gracious and were so excited. I'm like, I'm very boring, but thank you for being excited to talk with me. <laughs> and Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, thank and, you. And you can find other 1v1 interviews that are not as long as this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were they were gunning for the that trophy right there. That's at, true. We got that championship. <laughs> at bossrush.net and you can find me on Twitter at fairycrypt. But until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 1v1, the creator interview series, is a product of Boss Rush Media, LLC, and part of the Boss Rush Podcast Supplemental Podcast. This show is hosted by Celeste Roberts. You can also hear interviews from other Boss Rush Media members on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FairyCrypt. To get updates on the latest episodes, follow the Boss Rush Podcast, Boss Rush Media, and Boss Rush Network on all major social media platforms, or subscribe to the Boss Rush Podcast feed in your favorite podcast application. Join the Boss Rush Network Discord and Facebook groups to interact with other friends and fans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.